Welcome back to the Nuts and Bolts podcast. Tonight's guest, Mr. Rene Gautier, fresh back from Urcha. How's it going, guys? How's it going, Clay? What's up, guys? <clears throat> yeah, well. What's up? What's up, Matt? Oh, not much, man. Looks like you did some good at uh, at Urcha there, or the AMA Nats, I guess I should say. Yeah, it was uh, kind of both Urcha and Nats. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, you got trophies at both, actually. So yeah, awesome. So what's been going on with you guys in the? And we know Renee's been out busy, but what you been up to, Matt? Working on anything good? Man, not a whole lot. I've done a little bit of three three D printing this week, but uh, nothing, nothing major. Uh, work is about the only thing I've been doing. Looking forward to flying this weekend. Hopefully, if the weather holds out and we don't end up with rain, as much as we need some rain, I, we're cooler temperatures right now so i would uh i'd really like to go fly so we'll, we'll see how it works out this weekend but uh other than that's about it man i hadn't hadn't done a whole lot uh i did get uh my nx4 running um and flew it last weekend yep i think that was after the last recording and uh it was but yeah you flew it on uh sunday i sunday, think, I think. It? yeah yeah i think it was sunday um but uh i had it about ready to go before but uh it's going now i'm running good still needs a little bit of tuning it's a little bit rich coming down uh pretty cool to the touch still in that motor it's a little os 37 i think that we talked about with brenton when he was on and uh, uh but otherwise it's running good so hoping to put a gallon of fuel through it this weekend too but uh otherwise yeah, that that's about it man That'll be nice. I'm looking forward to seeing that thing because, man, I love the canopy on that. It's such a good-looking helicopter. I like that green a lot. Yeah, that and, green uh, with that green green uh, blades on it. It looked good. I like it. Yeah, it, it really say, pops. What would you say? It was an NX4? Yeah, it's a Galley NX4. Oh, wow. So, those are – yeah, I, I had one of those when they first came out. So this one right here, here I'll share – my screen so you can see it here buddy but yeah i've got uh a yeah, couple of a, them the, how do you say a fusuno fusuna fusano i don't know how you say that canopy but yeah, man i, I love that canopy yeah it looks so yeah <clears throat> yeah that's but cool yeah. it looks good it's got those green kbdd blades on it and the matching green tail blades that go on it and uh I came across this canopy. It's actually for an X4 two, but uh, it fits this. So um, that a buddy had down in South Texas, and I was like, "Oh, I have to own that" because I already had the blades. So it took me a little bit to get it. I actually ended up buying his airframe <laughs> with the canopy, so I ended up with it initially, and uh, so uh, finally got her back in the air. But uh, but anyway, it's it shows up really really well in the air. Um, I, I like it. I really like it. Um, pretty small i think it's only running you know like 425 blades but uh it uh it flies really well it's smooth i like it but anyway i'm into it i like it it's nitro yeah, yeah. it's gonna be fun oh yeah yeah, yeah. we'll easy. put some plots on it this weekend yeah even though it's small it'd be easy to see with uh with that with those blades and that canopy yes sir yeah it is very easy to see for sure so so uh is that the new nightbird then spotlight that sucker man yeah we could do that 
I would do that. I would do that with this one. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> I have a I have a whole nother airframe sitting in a box. So <laughs> if it goes Man, in, I've got a yeah. replacement. <laughs> Dude, I, I spotlight flew with the uh uh Oxy five last year a few yeah. times. So it's not that bad. No, the disc shows up really well under spotlight, and as a green, it'll probably pop like crazy because the bottom side of those blades is all green. Mm-hmm. Too, I don't know. Yeah, well, you can kind of see it in that picture. But anyway, yeah, all solid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> Hell yeah. Anyway, well, I've you, not done anything, man. I I didn't get to do much at all. I worked last Saturday and uh, didn't get to go do any flying when I was in Wichita Falls. Just didn't work out. Worked Saturday. Come home late. I was, dude, I was just so tired. I'm like, I'm not doing much at all. Sunday, I worked on some cups for uh, Renee's wife. And that was about all I was getting myself into on Sunday. And uh, I had a bunch of yard work to do too. So I haven't got to do anything fun as far as uh, helis or planes go. So... That's well, been that it, sucks. man. Lots and lots of work. It's just that yeah. busy time of the year. Man, mine hit hard the end of this week. I'm I'm hoping I get out of here in time tomorrow to do something tomorrow evening, but yeah, maybe Saturday morning before I get there. We'll see how it goes. But anyway. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this weekend getting to fly. But uh we'll try to put my Mamba sixty together, take it out and fly that. And uh so far all I've done this week in RC is I ordered some battery connectors. I got to make some extensions for my uh, 104 laser. I want to relocate the batteries rearward and the battery wires or connectors are not long enough. And the uh, ones on the receiver are pretty short themselves too. So got to make some extensions, make that work. Nice. Yeah. Speaking of that, I got some extensions I need to make and some MPX plugs I need to make for Mark. I think Mm -hmm. Bill asked me for a couple of extensions too. You know, that I think about it, I got to get those made up yep but anyway yeah well renee and uh we know you've been busy so kind of saving the best for last and uh man uh, we got to hear all about it dude we've been on a heli kick for or matt and i've been on a heli kick (laughs) for three four weeks in a row here yeah and uh the show's had heli related stuff pretty heavy for the last three or four weeks yep So tell us about it. Well, yeah, uh, starting out, you know, about the 900 mile drive one way, you know, that's kind of, (laughs) (laughs) that was the, that was probably the hardest part of of the whole thing. Uh, And then also trying to prepare for it. Uh, And I I posted it on Facebook. Uh, Right away, we were going to do the EC-135. The the police one, and both you guys have seen now, Mm -hmm. the, the German police machine. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, as it uh, as it grew and became more detailed, well, it got extremely heavy. Uh, but that machine we did had, we test flown it in the fuselage before any of the modifications were done. We took it out. We flew it on a test rig, basically just bolt it to a block of wood and throw some batteries in it and fly it. Um, and we once we got it complete and all put back together, well, it was too heavy not too heavy for the power plant to pick it up but the fin strong you guys know what a fin is it's that ducted fan in the back right on yep. a ec yeah well um that thing would not hold the tail straight after all the weight just because of the amount of weight of the machine 
the head trying to pick it up created more torque than the tail could possibly hold. Right. So, so that machine got benched two weeks before Urcha. Well, oh. I pulled, oh, yeah. Uh, and it was, it was absolutely ready. Uh, it was a first place machine. I thought anyway, that's me, but two weeks before the event or I was prepared to leave, I had to pull up the bell 407 and I'm sure both you guys have seen that one. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. That's yeah. the, uh, 2018 national champ. Right. That was the 2018 national champ. Well, I pulled it up, got it all ready, did some flying on it. Uh, probably put six or eight flights on it, uh, and then got it loaded. And, and we, and, uh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, there it is right there. You're go good. Ahead. Yeah, there it is. We got her pulled up. Right. There. Yeah. Anyhow, the one right beside it was the police helicopter I was going to do. Well, ended up going, but did not fly. But anyway, we got the Bell 407 there, and uh, I thought it could do pretty good, considering that it was built five years ago. And in today's technology, just like you guys were talking about earlier before the show, uh, 3D printers, well, they've become a lot more popular over the last three years, or five years, actually. And people are getting better with them, and they're making their parts look really, really, really good. Uh, so anyhow, considering most of this was hand-carved with wood, uh, some of it was 3D printed, but most of it was just hand-carved because I'm not that good with a 3D printer. So anyhow, we got that one. We got that one there and um, got it up and flying and ready to go. We started the Nationals on Monday, which really starts out a long week when you're sleeping living in your camper yeah anyway we started yeah look it it was like going to a fun fly where we go to it was a lot of fun but uh by then i had already been in the camper since because i when i on the drive up i drove it all the way through got there at about yeah 900 miles uh got there at about oh midnight their time because they're an hour ahead got there uh midnight their time i just pulled into an electric site on the on the, at ama and plugged in the camper and went to bed um got up the next morning of course i was pretty good rested because i didn't get up until like about eight uh, and then i helped them set up for urcha i know i don't know if you guys have been to a big fly like that and try to help set that up all the lines the runways on the grass and i say the runways in this case it was the walkway because they're flight stations for the helicopters there's not really a runway but anyhow i on monday we started the nats and it was a terrible terrible first two days only reason it was bad was because it was raining and cold uh and we were flying in between raindrops which you know was okay but they were holding the u.s nationals for f3n fc f3c fai all those were being held at the same time that we're holding uh, the helicopter nationals. And those guys have to fly a lot of flights. Not like us. If we get four flights in, we were lucky. Uh, but we didn't. We actually only got three in, in this case. But anyway, we got the uh, we got started on Monday. We did the uh, static view. Uh, and the static view, uh, or as far as the static judging, which was pretty good. Got to see a whole lot of helicopters. I'm talking about 
the ones that you see in the picture right there, there's lots of them around yeah. the entire world. Yeah, there's lots of helicopters. And I, I don't know if I posted my pictures yet on everything that was there. But maybe if I didn't, I will. Anyhow, uh, a lot of helicopters. The judges got, oh, 10 minutes with each machine, which took half the day to get yeah. that done. Yeah, yeah, I could imagine. So, I, I figured they only take 10 minutes with it. That's to check out all that detail. Man, I'd have to be making notes like crazy. <laughs> well, what, uh, it's it's the judges just get a, a, a sheet that's a judging sheet. Mm -hmm. And uh, and basically, each, each category carries uh, like a certain amount of points, like 10 points or 15 points, whatever that is. And that's like the cockpit, uh, the skids the actual fuselage as far as markings, the head and the tail. So they're okay. judging those they're judging those areas individually. So they kind of get to look at it. Okay. Uh, and yeah. So they're not like looking over the whole thing and just trying to give you a score. They're looking at each individual piece right. so that they can come up with something. Uh, anyhow, that's where the documentation comes in at the paper that you take with you. And I say the paper in this case is more like a little 10 page book kind of thing yeah where yeah that you give them pictures of the real helicopter and you give them pictures of the cockpit or the interior or the skids all those different things so they can judge yours by what the actual real helicopter looks like and of course if you don't want to show them something yeah don't take a picture so <laughs> <laughs> right you, you don't detail that picture in your in your documentation right. okay makes sense so Right. So after that's all done, uh, uh, it's, I don't know, I don't know if you got heard of like grading on the curve. It's kind of how it seems to me is that the winner gets a thousand points. Uh, and then after that, you could be two points behind the winner and second place only gets 500, I mean, 883 points or whatever that is. So the winner will get a thousand and you get a hundred, uh, 883. Okay. Even though you were, even though you were only a couple of parts on the judge, because the entire score of the judges would be like three hundred and fifty from all the judges. Well, that equals a thousand. Right. Or, right. Yeah, it makes sense. Or, right. So well, they do anyway, something similar in IMAC. It's I think they call it like normalizing the score or something like that. And yeah. So like with IMAC, something you look for is the you'll see the score at the top like the number, like the thousand that you're talking about. And then maybe like the nine fifty below that, but to really tell like where that pilot really is and to gauge like how the event went, like was there bad weather or maybe was everybody kind of off that day? Is you look at, there's a percentage below that score. And that percentage is what they call the points of perfection, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. And so that's what you're looking for is, what percentage did they actually do? So, you know, like 80, 90% is obviously pretty good. If they're down in the sixties, the first place, the guy with a thousand points, if he's in the sixties, it was either a really windy rough day, or maybe, you know, it was some guys that maybe aren't so good. So that yeah. thousand points doesn't necessarily mean that they're excellent. Yeah. Uh, right. Rifle, rifle shooting is the same way. We have a weighted deal. The, the winner gets a hundred percent. And then everybody yep. else is a percentage of the winner's score. And then yep. 
you can look at uh, total possible impacts versus what you got, and it gives you what you were just talking about. You know what it what your real uh, performance was. So yep, right. Yep. right. That that's exactly. And I guess that's how they do that in all judging of these types of things because yeah. that's that's exactly how they do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, in this case, and I'm not sure why. In the years that I have gone before, usually between each round, you get a, a or after the judging, you'll get a score sheet. You know that where you can look and see who's who scored what and, and all of that. In this case, I don't know why they didn't do it, but we didn't get that. So we didn't. The truth on this, I didn't even know where I was until the competition was completely over. Hmm. And yeah, that's right. interesting because usually, like you said, like the last time at 2018, you knew where you were standing at each stage. You know, and that's right. just that's like IMAC. You know, you know after round one they'll go in and post the results round one and round two and so on and so forth. So that's interesting that they didn't do that this year. I don't know if somebody dropped the ball or, or whatever it was, but I know that we didn't get that. Uh, so the, the, the whole thing was is from Monday to Wednesday, we do that. Uh, we flew our first round on Monday. Uh, so we only got three. And so Tuesday was kind of just a washout. Uh, maybe some of the F, uh, F3N or FAI guys, maybe they got in a couple of flights, but it was so wet that nobody was going to fly their electronic helicopter out there in that mess. So by the time we got to round three, it was six o'clock on Wednesday night. So oh, it wow. was like, right. Uh, from Monday afternoon's first flight till it was over on six o'clock on Wednesday night, which it, I was like, boo, that made for a long, long day. The reason I guess that came into effect is because FAI and F3C and F3N were all flying in the same field. And uh, so it was hard to get the whole rotation because they have a different set of judges that judge all parts of that. And then they have a sport and uh, uh, mastery or whatever it is in, in how they do on that. Cause that's all precision flying as well. But they have sport, uh, expert, and master, or intermediate, those types of uh, breaks in each, so that each person don't go and they have to compete against the best all the time. You, you're like in the intermediate guys or the beginner kind of guys that sort of try to help them out. But, you know, this year was also qualifying for the worlds for our FAI guys and F3N guys, qualifying for the for the world championship. Oh, and it's, I, yeah, yeah, it's actually going to be, be in Muncie, Indiana this year instead of in Germany. Okay. Yeah. I think so, I saw uh, Nick post something about that. If I remember right. Yeah. And actually, with that, uh, I so I finished with uh, my helicopter, really didn't know where it was uh, in, in that competition because it was like oh, six helicopters in, in that competition. And uh, that's Nick in the, flew, uh, that's in the 518 scale to be clear right and the 518 scale is really uh like the others are provisionals i don't know you know they're not really kind of a, a sanction you don't get any world or any uh real recognition for that other than uh, it other than what it is it's not like well you get first in the u.s nationals and you're the u.s national champion mm-hmm. uh sport or or team really doesn't qualify at that level. So, uh, and, and there's several reasons why, uh, team would be, 
if uh, the owner of the or the builder of the helicopter and the pilot of the helicopter are different. Uh, 518 in that class, you have to be the original owner of the helicopter, you have to have built it, and you have to fly it in competition. So those are, huh? Go ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to ask. So in your static display, it has to be the same helicopter that you fly. Is that correct? So you had oh, to yeah. take this one out and fly it. You can't have just a static display helicopter that you enter in, you know, like you could have with your, that, uh, 135 or anything. You can't just enter it in the static display, right? Without, right. it has to be flown. No, in no. To enter. Right. Okay. Um, and the only way you can get static points for it, you have right, you have to uh, fly the one that you actually put in the static competition, and that's what makes you the national champion because okay. you have to do pretty much all the work. And the helicopter has to be flown as presented to the judges. Okay. Meaning to yeah. get that to get if you want to get that look of blades that droop a lot, well, those aren't going to be flyable blades. Now it may look great on the helicopter sitting on the bench, but you have to change them out in order to be able to fly it. I've seen that done in competition before where, you know, you change out the blades, but in this, it has to be flown as it's presented. You can't change okay. anything from the time it's judged to the time it starts flying. And yeah. if you enter a helicopter that you understand is not capable of completing uh, the competition, as long as it gets off the ground in one round, you get to keep your static score. Meaning that some, uh, a few years ago, we had a guy with a really, really nice Huey that he knew would not fly. Uh, it wasn't prepared. It'd spool up and, and just get off the ground, and he'd have to sit because something was wrong with it. He couldn't get it to go. So, uh, so he wanted to keep his static score on how that machine uh, fared in the, in the static competition. So he put it up on the flight line and got the skids off the ground and put it back on the ground. Now he's uh, officially in the competition. Okay. Yeah, and if I recall, that one uh, placed first in the static, and then Renee Correct. was able to surpass him uh, or pass him up by flying because his helicopter would fly. Um, who was that? Was it that wasn't John Ellis? Was it? Uh, no, that guy um, Michael Zombrowski, Zombrowski, oh. something like that. Yeah, okay. it was it was a it was a beautiful machine. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, it was uh, a like a fire department modeled Huey, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Right, yeah. it was a, a it was an air tanker. It, it, the tank was on the bottom. He did a fantastic job with that machine. Yeah, I remember um, seeing the pictures of it. It was incredible. Yeah. So, uh, and 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 that's what makes five eighteen so hard is because you ha you have to do it all yourself, and then you have to fly it in competition. So there's a now there because of the way the day's kits are. You can get a lot of stuff in a kit, like the rotor head assembled or a cockpit that is a half-ass. Now, you can use all that because it was originally with the kit. Uh, but in order to, uh, like in this competition, you have to do the bulk of the assembly. Uh, and I mean the bulk of the assembly, meaning you put the mechanics together, you put all the flight control in it. You, and also in those rules you have to be the one that sets up the flight controls and all the rods and make it fly. So you can't have your buddy come, right. So you can't even have your buddy come over and set it up for you. Oh, yeah. interesting. Okay. Yeah. Right. What they so, don't know is what, here's my take on that is Matt's going to be uh, what they don't know. Won't hurt them. Right. 
I didn't say nothing. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. And, and no, and, 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 and we all understand that we, we can't all do this. And, and they also consider that in, in the painting, I mean, you have to paint it yourself. Yeah. Uh, now a lot of people can't paint, but they got a buddy that's got a paint booth, you know, well, you go over there and you spend the evening with them getting your helicopter painted. Well, you painted it. Well, well that's just so, it. It's the last couple of helicopters that we've set up. I was there. I helped learning from Matt, but <laughs> without Matt, it might not would have went so well. <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, and, and of course, as, as we move through the, the helicopters, you just learn how to do that is the truth is a setting up a 3d, uh, a scale helicopter is no different than setting up a 3d helicopter, except for you don't want it nearly as fast and responsive. Yeah. You want this thing to be, you want this thing to be a, a flying pig basically. Right. So, mm. That brings up a point, um, and uh, I, I kind of know the answer to this, but I don't know that the listeners do. Uh, when we set up my MD500, uh, Renee, you and I set it to where we have, what was it, like a half degree or one degree of down pitch uh, from uh, mid-stick down, because there's never a point at which I'm going to fly that heli, that heli inverted, so there's no need for me to have negative pitch in the blades. You want me to do it for you? Yeah, correct. Yeah, I'll, I'll well, fly. I'll Jim, fly it inverted for you. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, uh, not not with the amount of negative pitch that has on it. Now, no. right? Uh, I, I generally run, you know, one to two degrees. If it's a really light helicopter, you might run it two degrees uh, because you have to get it down. But yeah. uh, on an extre- an extremely heavy helicopter. You know, if you're talking about a, a, a 30 pound helicopter, you don't have to worry about putting much negative pitch in it. As soon as it's not on positive, it's coming down. Right. right. So, and, and the the other side of that, though, and this kind of goes back to, you know, in theory, you could actually give yourself the full travel of the cyclics or the collective stick because you don't need that bottom portion. But for me, I still only use the top half because I fly 3D helis in, a, in addition to the scale. And I think you do the same thing, right, Renee, where yes. you still keep that center stick as zero pitch. Exactly. Yeah, yeah there's, there's no change in how I set the radio up. Yeah, so, that would be weird if you didn't, I would think. Because if you, yeah. It, I think it would be really weird. But, yeah. you know, in theory, you could have a much more resolute travel yeah, in your collective by using the full travel of the, th- the stick i've thought about this and i thought you know if you only flew scale helis yeah and you got used to it you could do that and you could have a really precise collective but at the end of the day it, it would be weird i just don't think it would be a good idea no i couldn't change back and forth that would be yeah. i that, definitely that couldn't change back and forth dude i'd I just tear up a bunch of helicopters that way. yeah exactly it, yeah oh absolutely <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so I, I would tear up a bunch of helicopters. So you you set them up as a as a standard, and at mid stick it comes, uh, you know, above mid stick, uh, just like any other three helicopter, just above mid stick it starts coming off the ground. So yeah. and then right, and and here's the next thing: you don't want a bunch of negative pitch on a um, a scale helicopter anyway, because first of all, it's pretty heavy, and you uh, put a bunch of negative pitch on it if you got to stick all the way at the bottom. Look, uh, that thing is pressing down really hard on that helicopter to the ground. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, it's hard so enough you, on you, 3D helicopter skids. 
it's real hard on a heavy scale helicopter skids. <laughs> Correct. You don't want to bend them just sitting on the ground. Exactly. So anyway, uh, as the competition went along by, by Wednesday, um, at the end of the competition, everybody knew who kind of had kind of a one, a guy this year that won 518. His name was Butch Willmaker. And he did a S67, which is a, a prototype, you know, by Sikorsky, uh, that he literally, um, he actually literally made the phone plug. Yeah, that's it right Is it there. this one right here? He's, yeah, Butch Willmaker, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's the one right there. He literally made the plug for this helicopter uh, and then made the mold and then made the helicopter. Oh, wow. So, right. And if you see the, the short wings on that, the, mm -hmm. the real short wing, yeah, they've got speed brakes in them that open up. Oh, oh wow. wow. That's cool. Right. Yeah. And, and they actually work. And, of course, the landing gear folds up, uh, all of those types of things. And it's a, a, and, it, and, of course, you see how smooth it is. Yeah. Uh, the real one is that smooth. It's right. almost, yeah. So it's, and, and then of course in the cockpit, he has the miniature displays. I know you guys have seen them, those little bitty three quarter inch by three quarter inch or half inch by half inch led displays okay. running, running radar on them and oh, wow. uh, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You can That'd see the cool. you're sweeping. Yeah, the whatever radar it's running, yeah. you can see the hands sweep back and forth, and it's all up in LED. Um, and the batteries are tucked up in there, you know, behind the panels, and it looks, it just, it just, it was an excellent, excellent machine. I would have voted for that one first place too. Yeah, uh, that's so really I cool. Did. That is, it looks yeah. really cool. Yeah, and if anybody listening wanted to look at these pictures, they're posted up on Renee's uh, Facebook page. Um, I can put a link in the show notes, but uh, I think these are all posted to public so you should be able to look at them but um he's got pictures of each of the first place and then his helicopters and and uh several of the other ones so so i yeah, see something then... that, that is off with this the the real s60 x67 featured a five blade main rotor that's five uh, bladed is it it sure looks like four oh, there's one back no, no, here i think is it yeah, okay that's, yeah yeah that's five bladed there, okay that thing is right yeah, it's right on the money. Um, well, yeah, he, he's some type of engineer at Sikorsky. Oh, this uh, guy. that's cool. That's cheating. Now, <laughs> now something else I'm looking here. This was this seemed like the year for prototype helis. You know, with the uh, there was two Comanches that I saw in there. Yeah, you know, and, and most guys know the Comanche was not a. You know what was there two Comanches developed. Correct. And, uh, this says that there was only one S67 ever developed and it was crashed. Uh, so I just thought it was kind of unique. Uh, I don't recall in the past seeing Comanches and stuff. You know, I know there's there's a handful of Comanche helicopters out there as kits and, and so on, but it's still not one you really see a lot. I wonder if it's because of the Finstron. Uh, right. He uh, That helicopter's been crashed many, many times. Evan's a good friend of mine. Um, that's a lid mount fuselage. Uh, so that's where that came from. But this thing has had a lot of repair because there's been a lot of issues with it. He seems to have that working. Okay. As long as the wind is not blowing hard, uh, uh because then, the, uh, because then the tail will take off, but he's running a, what they call a two motor system. Um, yeah. he has he's a, driving the tail faster. 
Right. He's using a different motor and speed controller and battery just to drive the tail. Yeah. So, and like I said, he's got it working, uh, but, and, and that's quite a heavy machine too, but it, in a, in a, any type of wind and in Oklahoma, it just would not work because you're going to be flying wind all the time. Right. Uh, those guys, mm-hmm. those guys tend to take these things out on a very smooth, calm day. Right. And well, not in a 518, but I was looking in sports scale and keep going there, Matt. There should be some sports scale pictures. Um, yeah that's yeah was that a, would be will there, there it is yeah 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 uh, now that's will maker's uh uh rendition of that that one actually flies pretty well now really? i've seen the tail yeah yeah that one dude that one works really really well uh he's running a two motor system in that as as well as uh evan is and uh he seemed to Somehow or another, he got that. You know, he's part of the development team on that as well, uh, as far as in Sikorsky. So he, uh, that, uh, do you see that uh, orange rotor head button on there? Yep. Yep. Uh, it's got a big M on it. And if you look at it from the top, it looks like an M&M. Oh, nice. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. Yeah. And, uh, and I asked him about that. And he says, yeah, he's the one that came up with that. And it was painted on the real one. It had a big M on top of the, the rotor button. Oh, oh that's nice. Cool. Yeah. On a Comanche <laughs> like that, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It, it, one of the things I'd like about this is Butch actually built his like the the concept or the test aircraft actually was. You know, instead correct. of having you know the other one in the five eighteen scale, Evans his is more like if they had created the Comanche fully with the guns and everything like that. Whereas this one is Butch's is the exactly how it was with the uh i don't know if that's like a pedo tube or what it is it's got down there uh, uh, that's for refueling i, I think that yeah I, yeah i don't know what that is and i meant to ask you but it might be a pedo tube it sticks way out in front of the helicopter yeah I, I think that that would be uh some type of instrument or a pedo tube that they were using on the uh, test aircraft you see that a lot with uh oh yeah prototypes. yeah i've seen that with jet, even on jets yeah, exactly. Like you'll see it on prototype aircraft when they're, you know, they're trying to get really accurate uh, information, you know, of all types. Right. Yeah. His, uh, and, and not only that, you know, of course, you can see you see the uh, doors open at the bottom. Those aren't the landing gear doors. Um, those are actually ordnance doors. Um, I think on this picture, the ordnance doors are the rear ones that you see that have the black lines. Yeah. Oh, on yeah. It. Yeah, you're correct. Yes, that's it. Those are the ordinance doors. You're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because when he uh, he'll come by and he'll open those uh, on a on a flyby, he'll open those ordinance doors uh, and then close them back. Oh, he's got them actuated. Look... Cool. That's oh cool. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's isn't anything on that helicopter that doesn't work correctly either. Wow. Uh, yeah, and and down to the same instrument package that it has the uh, LED display screen in there that's micro, you know, so. Uh, yeah. it, it has the same. It has the same type of package. Then, uh, only reason he did this one in uh, sport scale, because uh, in sport scale, the only difference between that and five eighteen is how the point system works. In sport scale, you have to be the original owner. You have to be the builder. You have to be all uh, the pilot. You have to do all that same thing. Uh, uh, but the only thing is, is the points don't add up the same. And sport scale the actual static 
part of it is only a third of your score. In uh, 518, the static portion of it is half your score. So okay. that's uh, your, your total score at the end. Yeah. Okay. So in 518, it is advantageous to have a well-documented, good-looking model because you're going to get half your score from the, from that. Right. And it's hard to beat the guy. Now, it, you want to be as close second to the guy that wins 518 because then you'll get a lot of points as well. You know, the, the 940 points or, or whatever that number is behind his 1,000 points just means you got to outfly him on every round. Right. In, in order to beat him. How many rounds do you have to fly? Three. Three. Is it a set mm-hmm. set maneuvers? Yes, there okay. are the the first set of maneuvers, there's five of them in that set that every helicopter has to perform at the beginning of every round. And okay. and, and they're they're fairly simple maneuvers, but uh you get a lot of score out of them and because everything has to be stable. Uh, the first maneuver is actually bring it up into a hover at eye level and you hover it there for 15 sec, uh, for 10 seconds, meaning it can't vary in the wind, it can't go back and forth, it can't uh, change altitudes, any of those things. And then you do clearing turns, which is you, you turn to the left, you sit there for five seconds, no movement to the helicopter. You turn it to the right, you sit there for five seconds with no movement of the helicopter. Then you have to do a 45 degree climb out to 20 meters. And then you better, and then you make it look like it's hanging on a string right there. Like it's just hanging there. Um, and then the, the last maneuver is, uh, uh, a translational landing, meaning that you, and you have to land back on the flight pad, right where you come off the ground, where you come down and you run out of altitude and the skids touch the ground as it's moving forward at the same time. Right. So basically, okay. yeah, you can't, if you, if you bypass the uh, pad, you might as well go ahead and put it in the ground, right on the ground, because you're going to lose the point for not hitting it in the middle, hovering around, trying to find it. Or, uh, and you can't come to a hover over the pad. You have to come to a stop over the pad coming in and land on the pad. Anything other than that, you know, you start taking off points for it. Uh, I would rather miss the pad and lose one point and, and complete the landing uh, altitude, forward speed, and on the ground all at the same time. Right. Because you lose more points, more points if you don't get that part right. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. So, um, but yeah, that was a that was an incredible helicopter. And oh, and back to the once you get those parts of your maneuvers done, and then that's what comes to your optional maneuvers. Uh, generally, they want you to do five uh, or ten. They they don't really like anything in between that because it's easier to score. Whereas in five maneuvers to get a hundred point or to get uh, 25 points. And we'll just call that a number. Well, each maneuver is worth five points. Uh, or as you say, eight, they do eight maneuvers. Well, to get to 25 points. Well, uh, well now each maneuver is worth what? Three points. So, right. uh, it, so, so that it comes up correct on the score sheet, they either say do five or 10, uh, Generally, I do five. Most people only do five maneuvers uh, because it's easier in grading. And then not only that, you can become more accurate in what you're doing. Uh, and, and, of course, you have to have a caller that's calling to the judges, although he has the score sheet in front of him with the maneuvers that you've already pre-selected. And then your caller's just letting the judges know when you're starting that maneuver and when you're ending it so they know when to look at the helicopter. And then uh, everything is also judged upon how it looks together as a performance. Uh, 
meaning uh, how it how it how did your maneuvers flow together as you were announcing them to the judges? You wouldn't want to do uh, an obstructed takeoff uh, into uh, a maneuver that doesn't flow with that. So, you know, there's all types of things like when you're doing a circle, you might come out of a circle into a figure eight because it flows well together or come out of a stall turn into a high-speed flyby, those types of things. Well, that's what I was going to ask you is, are they all kind of, uh, you know, with the, the hover, hovering in place, the clearing turns, all that, that's all really pretty slow maneuvering, you know, real slow, steady type stuff. And I didn't know if there was any kind of a forward flight, you know, something be considered more high speed, you know, uh, right. well, you kind of it, answered that. Yeah, you, you can do uh, uh, the high speed stuff, but remember in what the judges are looking at in scale, uh, uh, it, let's just say it's a fifth scale model. Uh, and the model in real life only goes 120 miles an hour. Well, you divide that by five, and if you go any faster than that, well, you're outside that operational limit of that helicopter, what it right. really does. Yeah. So, it just, so you can't go out there and do a loop or a roll with a 407 because they just don't do that um, well so what we, i was meaning was you know just something more like the forward flight you know actual what you would see a real helicopter do it you know right. obviously a real helicopter is going to come up and do a steady hover clearing turns all those things but you know a 407 also is going to do you know just forward flight in general uh right yeah you, uh, all you know, the rest of your maneuvers all the rest of your maneuvers are in forward flight that you're that you're doing, like you might be doing a figure eight or a circle or any of those types of things. Yes, uh, you want it to, and and they take off points for it. And anything you're doing, if you're changing altitudes and speeds, you're losing points in it in the entire maneuver. Uh, and then of course they tell you how big the maneuver has to be, like in a figure eight. And the judges are spaced by the book. I don't know whatever they are, thirty feet apart. And then each maneuver has to be performed from, say, uh, 50 feet from one side of the judge to 50 feet to the other end of the last judge. So everything's within a box. So if you're doing a figure eight, they get a real close view at your figure eight. So and then, of course, as you start your figure eight, you start it as you're coming nose in. You do a figure eight and it ends coming nose in. And they're looking at altitude, speed of the helicopter, everything throughout that entire maneuver. I would say probably radiuses on each half of the figure eight, you know, right. and that could really be a big factor with wind. Um, oh yes. You know, you got that, that wind coming down the runway there. Uh, that could be really real challenge to try to extend out the, the upwind and uh, try to tighten up that downwind to keep those radiuses the same. And, 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 and the wind also has to do with a lot of your speed. When you got the wind behind you, that thing picks up speed really fast. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And then when you're coming into the wind, it slows down. So that's, that's kind of really what they're judging. If you're doing it on a windy day, uh, you have to take into account that everybody's under the same disadvantage. Right. Right. But nonetheless, so, it still yeah, factors in. Right. Oh, it absolutely factors in. Uh, and, and, and they take points off for it. it. They don't care what the wind's blowing. They don't right. care anything about that. How's the helicopter look? Right. Absolutely. They do. <laughs> so, uh, and what I mean is everybody's flowing uh, under the same disadvantages is that 
if everybody's extending it on one end because the wind's pushing them or or cutting it short on one end, but other end, or going slower in speed getting into it because the wind is slowing you down. Well, they just take points off wherever the point is the wind's messing with you. Well, they just take points off there. Right. Well, and that's what, like, like I was saying earlier with the IMAC judging, um, you can see, you know, in the score, you look at the percentages and you can tell like, okay, well, this might've been a rough event. You know, uh, you can kind of say, oh, well, if I know this guy, he's normally a pretty, pretty good pilot. And, you know, he scored in the 60s or 70s, but so did everyone else. Exactly. You know? that, that's, yeah, that's why I said everybody's at the same disadvantage. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm looking here at this other picture. Uh, oh, no, go ahead, Renee. I'm, I'll come I was back around say, to and this. Then, yeah, and then uh, the one – and, of course, we got a second place with our bell which was, you know, with our 407, which was in this case, outstanding. Uh, and then we got Nick Maxwell. And I'm sure that most of the helicopter people out there probably heard that name before. Um, Nick Maxwell flew my quarter scale 206L and he got a first place in team scale with that. Um, uh, you probably have the, I think the picture of it's in that same bunch of pictures right there. Uh, and, uh, and then also too, uh, he did a noon demo at Urcha. He did the noon hour of power. Remember I told you they wanted me to fly that clay when, yep. when I talked. Yeah. Well, uh, I talked to my team manager and had talked to him about that saying, yeah, well, I'd really like to get Nick to do it. So uh, Nick actually flew the hour of power with my 206 and it was a beautiful flight. Nice. So does Nick, so, I mean, I know he's a very accomplished heli pilot, but uh, does he have any prior experience flying scale, or is this just kind of a – he's just that good. He just picked it up and flew it. Dude, he's that good. How about this? Uh, he had one flight on it to field the helicopter. He wrote down the maneuvers out of the book that he wanted to do and had one more flight on it and just practicing that, that set of maneuvers one time, and then the third flight he had on it, he was in competition. Right. So, but he doesn't do scale helis himself, though, he does he? He doesn't even own a scale helicopter. I didn't think so. I wasn't sure. I don't know Nick. You know, I've never met him, and I don't. I know who he is, and that's about it. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, I didn't think that he was a scale heli guy. Period. And uh, I'm sure somewhere down the road, he's flown one at some point. But, yes, uh, he's actually he's actually told me that he's flown a couple before. He said not many. He said, of course, this is the biggest one he's ever flown. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, the biggest helicopter he's ever flown. But so you have to understand, Nick uh, flies uh, FAI and F3C, which is all about precision maneuver, about precision. Yeah. So it makes it easy to translate that over to uh, to scale. So if you are an F3C, uh, FAI, F3C pilot, you're going to do very good in scale. The only thing I could see is those uh, those FAI and uh, F3C, F3N, all those helis are set up. They fly so well, and they're so smooth and precise. And which my heli, the my scale heli, is not a finely tuned machine like a lot of these scale helis are. But man, it's so much more susceptible to wind drift. Uh, there's just more mechanical things going on. Um, the the vibrations that comes from the fuselage, just the 
and things like that, like it just doesn't lock in like my pod boom helicopters do at the end of the day. And I would speculate that his competition machine is probably very, very tuned, very locked in in every regard. It and absolutely is. It looks like it's, it looks like it's on rails. Right. And so I think a very, very well-tuned scale machine because of the aerodynamics associated with the scale body and all the other things that are at play. I just don't see how it's going to be quite as precise as the competition heli that he's used to flying. And, and no, and they, and they are not. When you look at the, the scale helis in flight, you can actually see that uh, uh, the uh, verticals, you know, uh, wiggling a little bit and things like that, only because there's so much vibration in the fuselage. Right. You know, and just like I said, just the aerodynamics of the the whole thing, you know, um, with my MD 500, you can certainly tell, you know, it just seems like it's a little bit more susceptible to, to different atmospheric conditions and wind, yeah, and, wind and things like that, yeah. you know, and, and things like that. And, uh, and you'll recall like the vibration I got just from the toe pods, uh, the missile pods in the beginning. That's why I ultimately took them off is, man, they just vibrated like crazy. And, uh, right. and, and, and there's some more that you could do to help a lot of that. And, 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 and the biggest part of that is get the blades weighed, make sure they're exactly right. Even on the tail, you know, yeah. way that get the, that'll take most of the vibrations out of it. And, and then sometimes it's in a harmonics. It's just where there's a harmonic feedback from everything moving to where it'll vibrate. Well, you, you move the RPM on the head, 20 20 rpm and it, and it comes out so yeah. you you have to you have to play with head speed you have to play with a lot of things but you can get them pretty smooth well if you recall too that was another thing we changed on my md 500 we run it a little bit faster and it really smoothed it out a lot yeah. right where on that lower head speed it was just uh it was really vibrating excessively right Yes. Um, and, 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 and that's all in just uh, some of it, like I said, it's in just the harmonics between the mechanics running and the fuselage itself. And it, it's just no way to get it out unless you uh, adapt it with head speed. And it doesn't matter how balanced your blades are and how in track they are and all that. Sometimes you have to change other things. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's so, definitely a, another layer of uh, tuning and perfection that comes into it. And uh, the scale fuselages change a lot of things. It's not exactly the same as what you would do with a pod and boom heli necessarily. Right. And uh, like when we turn the, uh, like the uh, 206, as you could, I don't know if you see the, did you see that video? I, you guys have seen it fly before, but with the video when Nick was flying it at the, at the uh, noon demo, um, dude, that you, the, the blades are going so slow. Uh, uh, they're going like 900. Oh, wow. Right. No, I, is, I actually haven't watched the video of Nick flying it. I need to. I, I Honestly, I forgot about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I need to go watch that. And then I forget about it. And you know what I mean? So, right, right. But, but, it, but you guys have seen that thing fly before. It actually flies quite well. Oh, yeah, it flies very well. It's uh, and, and I think its size just really makes it. It, it demands a lot of attention 
because yeah, it, it, very few people have ever seen a helicopter that big. Right. Well, there was only one other there that was that big, and it was a 407, and it wasn't even completed. Mark uh, Smith brought that helicopter. It's actually a Rotor George fuselage, just like my 206, and in length and everything, they're exactly the same length, and it's a, a true quarter scale as well, and, and it's a massive machine. Like my uh, Bell 47, it's a quarter scale helicopter, but in real life, it's a, re it's a small, small helicopter. It's not very big as compared yeah. to a 407. Well, so, that's like that, uh, that, that, uh, back a few years ago when we went to Cajun Helifest, there was an R22 quarter scale there and it was huge, but it was still small compared to that 206 that you have. But uh, an R22 is a very small helicopter and as a full scale. So, yeah, right. it's uh, a quarter the... scale 206 is huge. <laughs> right. Uh, and I had a guy, uh, say something about that about it being huge and i and, and i don't know what i think i was talking thinking about the 47 blades where they're 1100 on that but the 206 are 1150s yeah on the main blades oh. yeah and and basically all you do is take up a take a 700 millimeter blade and put two of them together and take about a third of one of them off so i thought daryl sprayberry had a quarter scale 206 there as well uh no that thing was uh it's fifth scale okay i thought i saw that he had said it was a quarter scale or something like that or maybe well, you know well hang on i may be looking at previous years um because there was well, a post a... oh go ahead well, remember i remember i told you true quarter scale most of the stuff that you see that like uh, from a Vario that's a quarter scale or any of the other big helicopter manufacturers. Well, they're not, they call it a quarter scale, but it's not true quarter. Uh, and, and the one that uh, Daryl has, it's a 206, but mine is huge sitting beside it. Yeah, I'm looking here. This is from 2010. And uh, Daryl did say, it, or actually this is a meal, but uh, it says uh, Daryl Sprayberry with his uh, Vario quarter scale jet ranger. And, uh, but this was actually, uh, uh, our buddy, Eric Babineau is in this picture here with, uh, his Vario MD 500. So, right. But, so yeah, this, like, this is it, a cool it, helicopter or a cool picture here of all of them. Yeah. And, and, and what they're, uh, when you, when you start looking at these helicopters and everything, it's just like everybody else. Uh, uh it has to be true scale in order it, they'll tell you it's quarter scale, but it's not, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, that it's not, uh, right. although it's huge. Uh, it's just what the manufacturer called it quarter scale in their opinion of what quarter scale is. But somebody tell you it's true quarter scale, then it's, it's probably bigger than the rest of them that you've seen. Right. Gotcha. And that's, and that's where, if you put Daryl's, uh, and that, I think it's a, what was it, a uh, highway patrol or police or something like that, the blue one? Uh, looks like Georgia State Police from, uh, right. from what that's I'm a, seeing yeah, in these pictures. You're right, Georgia State Police. That's exactly what it is. And you put it beside mine, and it's nowhere near as big. I mean, it's just not close. Right. I, I say it's close, but uh, it's not really close. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know Daryl has got some really incredible – machines uh 
from Cajun Haley Fest. He had uh, Miss Claude was just that was an incredible uh, OH six, and then the uh, oh the uh, I believe it was a Bell forty seven that he had. Yes, if I recall uh, that was really nice. Yeah, he still has that machine too, and that's and that's the same fuselage that I have. My okay. as my Bell forty seven. Yeah, gotcha. exactly. Yeah, and then I, in fact, one of these pictures I was looking, I noticed his Apache in the background, but I never saw that Apache fly. So, uh, no. But yeah, I'm starting. Yeah, and, to, and, uh, I'm starting to figure out who a few of these guys are, as far as you know, building the really nice stuff uh, and so on. But yeah, that thing turned out. That thing is, and you can tell. We all know how big a. a, a an 18 channel Futaba is. So that's the radio sitting beside it. Yeah. Uh, that's incredible. But anyway, uh, we, uh, uh, after the, after this competition, we had the Ursa competition, which actually is just for, you know, like something they do there at Urcha. And we also took the, the, uh, 407, the GT, and we competed it over there, and there were a lot of there were a lot of a lot of people flying in that, uh, and I got a third place, so I thought that was pretty darn good. Oh, nice! Yeah, so I ended up walking away out of that place with uh, a first, a second, and a third, and two of them came from the uh, four hundred seven, the second and the third. Well, and the four hundred seven now holds a first, second, and third place mm -hmm. uh, across different years. So, yes, yes, exactly. Which is pretty right. good for an old helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, and then I'm not sure if we want to get in on this, but uh, and it's a Roban. Uh, you know, right? Roban is a it's a good helicopter, but it, I think it's safe to say it's it's not a Vario, and uh, uh, you know, or some of these hand built, scratch built things that are out there, and uh, so for a Roban to be competing at that level to me, that's really saying something. Uh, so. yeah, I had, I had the only robands competing in anything. Uh, everything else was a high end helicopter. Yeah. yeah. So that, and, that, that, and that does mean something, but here it, what you have to understand in, in that part of it is how far do you want to go? Yep. How much effort do you want to put into that thing? Yeah. Well, and it just shows that, you know, Robans are not cheap helicopters by any means. We're not saying oh, that. No. Uh, they're still very expensive helicopters, but they're considerably less expensive than Vario's, um, you know, or some of the other ones out there. I'm not sure really. I haven't looked at the Heli Factory stuff yet. I know that's one of your new sponsors, um, but I, I really haven't checked out the Heli Factory stuff quite yet. Um, but nonetheless, man, you know, like a Vario head. What did you say that thing's selling for? Like eleven hundred bucks now? Right. That's the that's the all aluminum one, uh, not the plastic Vario head. You can still get the plastic Vario head, uh, you know, the with the four bladed grip, uh, that goes on a, a, a ten millimeter shaft, uh, the the swash plate and the uh the drive links and everything. You could probably get into that whole thing for about seven or eight hundred bucks on the head, you know, the head assembly alone. Yeah. Um, but right on the one that I have for the, uh, 
for the BO105, which I probably I'll probably mount it because I'll end up changing it to a Helifactory one. But when I bought it, it was uh, $899 plus the swash plate, which was another 200 bucks plus the swash driver, which was another 75 bucks. So yeah. the, the head assembly, and then of course uh, an $800 set of blades. So when you look at that price, uh, the Roban with the mechanics, it the starts looking very attractive <laughs> and the blades for two, for two grand. Yeah, exactly. It, it starts looking a lot more attractive real quick. Yeah. Right. Where you could put two grand into the head assembly on a Varia. Yeah. And, and that's why I was blown away by the offer that Eric made to me that day. And that's why I, I spent some money. I really didn't need to spend that day, but at the end of the day, Eric really hooked me up. So right. yeah, like, yeah. Hey, Dude, I, yeah. I can't pass this up for what he's asking. So, right. Yeah. You know, that was uh, one of the finest deals. And, and here's the good thing. You get to build it and have fun. Yeah. And after every time you go out and fly these, I get interested and then I find something else. It's like, oh, I'll get to it one year. And I'm certainly do intend on getting to it at some point. And, uh, whenever I see this stuff, it makes me want to get my Vario down and start working on it, you know? So yeah. uh, it, if you, uh, but you just like when you went to the Cajun Helifest, you know, you really had an opportunity to spend a lot of time around those helicopters. So that's why when we went over to Eric's house and you saw that, you was like, I got to buy it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, as you know, I'm looking at other helis and wanting a scale heli and, and he's like, well, look, I, I know you really want to do this. So I'll, I mean, he hooked me up more than I, I don't even know if he realizes what that meant to me, but man, it was incredible. And it, then of course it's just set on the shelf, but it's going to come down. It's going to get worked on at some point. And I hope to make but it you got, worthwhile. Yeah. 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 You're still a young man. Uh, you, you say when you get to be 63, well, and, and everybody asks me a lot of times, well, you're, you're a great builder. Why would you buy uh, just like the 206? I didn't build that. You know, it's an outstanding helicopter. Uh, it's beautiful in flight. It's has great mechanics in it. Uh, great, uh, great motors. And why would I buy that? Uh, well, the reason I would buy that, just like I bought the 47, is at 63, I don't have enough time to build these helicopters. I want to fly them, and I want to own it. I don't have enough time. I, let's do, if, even if I live to be 85, I don't have enough time to build all the helicopters I want to own. Well, and something's to be said for a, a, quite a few of these are hard to come by. You know, it's not the, as easy to pick up a good scale helicopter as it is, say, just you know, a generic pod and boom or ARF airplane or something like that, you know, oh, yeah, these, it's uh, a little these, bit harder to find them in general. Right. Well, these rotor George, the, as the two Oh six is, and as in uh, Mark's four Oh seven, um, those are the only two rotor George I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, and, well, <laughs> you know, to add to it, you're talking about that Comanche a little bit being a Lynn Mount. There's no more Lynn Mount helicopters. Right. And Rotor George is not, he's not even producing this one anymore. Uh, I think he has worked, well, the one that Mark bought, the 407, was probably bought, that was probably molded eight years ago. And that's how long it's been that's been done. And, and I'm not sure there's five of them in the world. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So well, or it, it makes take like well, and take another one for instance. Uh, your uh, your big BO one hundred five, the Lynn Mount BO one hundred five. There was what two ever, and yes, uh, there- you know there are no more. There will never be more unless somebody else develops it. But that exact one, there is no more. Yeah, there there are no more. And as I, I remember, we were talking the other day um, because the helicopter is so fantastic. Uh, I had told myself many times that we were just going to set it on the shelf and we were not going to put a turbine in it. You know, it's a one of those deals where it's meant to be looked at, not flown kind of uh, impression. I was putting myself through on that, but as uh, time has gone by that I've had it, uh, I don't think that Lynn would uh, mind. As a matter of fact, I'm sure he would appreciate it if it flew again. Yeah. So, uh, so my next thing is, is to say, okay, I'm going to build these two that I have sitting on the shelf, the llama and the uh, animal, the BL 105 animal. I'm going to get those two done. And then I'm going to pull that thing off the shelf and put a turbine in it and fly it. Because uh, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't matter what I paid for it. If I never get to fly it, well, then uh, kind of felt as though I missed out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and 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 at this point, um, it's and, and I say cheap. There's nothing cheap about this helicopter. Uh, I could put a lot less money in that helicopter and having it flying, and 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 actually have something that is just amazing flying. Yeah. And I say under ten grand to get it flying and completely done again uh that's that's a steal well yeah and that, i was going to bring that up too it's with your 206 you couldn't build that for what you paid for it oh absolutely not not even close yeah um right and that's why i'm uh i had pulled back to the bo the the big red bull because look okay it's a six thousand dollar turbine i got that you know and then a couple of a couple uh, thousand dollars in um, all the other small parts, uh, you know, that that you need servos because there's no servos in it. Uh, lots of small things, but the head is complete. The full shaft is complete. It, it there's it, now I'd have to go through and and put the uh, put the mechanics back together, but I figure I could do that for under three or four thousand dollars. That's why I'm saying about ten grand, only because the turbine is six. Yeah, and you're talking about the. Uh... The little bull cow, not the uh, the big one, though, right? No, I'm talking. I'm talking about the big one. Oh, okay, okay, got you. Because the little one, I have all of that. I have the turbine, a full mechanics. Uh, uh, I don't know that I've shown it, but it, it was on my Facebook page. A full um, full cockpit assembly that is just over the edge. So no, that's for the small. Uh, that uh, we're talking about putting the turbine in the big one and flying it as well. Yeah, yeah, and I was talking about on the dollar figures. I knew from talking to you that you intend on flying both of the, the bulk. You actually have three bulk cow BO one Oh fives. One is currently right. in flying condition. We've a lot of us have seen that one fly or seen pictures of it. Um, but then there's still another one that hasn't flown in the United States to my knowledge. Right. And then exactly. the other one that's it's, yet to be built. So correct. Yeah. Yeah. And the other one is a, it's a quite nice. It's uh they consider that, um, in, in my opinion, it's in between a, a fifth and sixth scale, but they call it fifth, fifth scale. It's probably somewhere in between fifth and sixth. Uh, 
the one that the yellow or red one you've seen fly. Uh, but that's a, it's a pretty amazing machine. It flies very, very well. So I don't know. It just so happens. I ended up with three of those damn things. <laughs> well, the, the, the Bokal to me is one of those helicopters that it's so ugly. It's awesome. Yeah, you know, it's, it's ugly, a man. flying pill, you know, but man, they're That's awesome. <laughs> you it's know? a capsule. It's a flying pill capsule. Yep. That's yep. all it is. And, and the 206 and the 407 are beautiful in, in uh, design and function. So, so, or to me, they are, you know, I, I think the 206, the 407, uh, those, uh, those machines are, are, are really iconic and, and you have to look at it. Well, why have, why, why did they build them? And they, they built them for a very long time. I mean, yeah. of course there were things that were changed over the years and things that had to be recertified by the FAA, but the, the, the style and the ability of the machine. Now I talked to, you know, uh, John Ellis, you spoke to him or, you know of him from his um, from his scale page. Yep. Right. Yeah. Well, John is a real helicopter mechanic. That, I mean, not mechanic, but pilot. That's what he did. That's all he's ever done in his life is fly helicopters. From the time he got a license, and he flew offshore. He flew Katrina. He flew all of those things. He flown forty sevens, two hundred sixes, four hundred sevens. He flown he's uh, llamas. He's flown them all. And yep. he will uh, he will absolutely tell you that other than the 407, the Llama was the most powerful helicopter he had ever flown. Oh, and wow. he said the right and the the 407 is a very powerful machine. It'll it'll tear itself apart. You can you can he said the only thing that stops that thing from lifting more weight than it could possibly imagine is that you have to keep your eye on the gauges and don't overload everything. But he said it'll. Is one of the most powerful machines that in the llama that he's ever flown. Right. Well, you and I, though, you know, back to talking about bells and stuff, the other day you and I were talking, and when people see a helicopter or, or think helicopter, they think of a Bell 206 or a, a Huey or a Bell 205. And uh, that's right. what people picture when they think of a helicopter. And, uh, right. you know, in Bell, for the most part has based all of their aircraft off of those two airframes, the 205 and the 206 were the basis of nearly everything that for nearly everything that came for the next 30, 40 years, you know? Correct. Yeah. And the, and the 407 came directly off that design of the 206. Yeah. It's a further development, you know? Right. But not to get, if you look, if you look at the doghouse and everything, it's all, they're almost exactly alike. Oh Yeah. Yeah. But uh, not to get too far away from, and I, we're, we're really bouncing around here, but I was going to bring back up the bull cow. Um, you know, people recognize it as the Red Bull helicopter. Well, a right. few years ago, there was a YouTube video going around of a uh, military bull cow from Germany. I believe it was uh, certainly Europe at, at a minimum. And uh, this guy's flying low level through some trees and uh, just kind of down in the you know, it's like some just yeah. clearings and uh, he'll pop up over the trees, come back down. And I'm watching this video, just how crazy maneuverable this helicopter is. And I've been in love with the bull cow ever since. And yeah, then, uh, I saw that he was, th he was flying it through the valleys below treetop level. Yes. Uh, where it looks like where the trees would turn and you would not see it go around the corner through the trees. Yep. 
Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. It's an outstanding video. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, so I would certainly encourage listeners to go out and just check it out. Check out the BO-105. If you're not impressed, you probably don't like helicopters, period. And, uh, but anyway, yeah, I, I can get into scale helicopters. I don't know why scale airplanes, RC, they're fun. I mean, they're, they're neat, but I like the helicopter so much more when it comes to scale for some crazy reason. Yeah. Uh, and no, John told me, he said, yeah, you know, a guy that flies a, a scale helicopter, he says he could have him hovering a real helicopter in 30 minutes and flying it in half a day. Wow. Um, right. He said, now someone that doesn't have any training at all. Uh, and he said, even airplane guys are hard to get to fly a helicopter, uh, only because they're used to the thing wanting to fly and, and, and the helicopter, you have to fly it. Um, but he said, guys that flows that fly scale helicopters, he's taught them how to fly. And he said, they, they move along really, really, really quickly in it. And, and in no time, he said, in a half a day, they can fly it anywhere they want. I, I want to fly a real helicopter so bad. And I looked into taking a lesson, just like an intro flight, just for the fun of it. And it was so pricey. I was like, eh, I don't know if I want to do it that bad. <laughs> so say it's probably not cheap. Uh, it was like yeah. $450 an hour. The last yeah. time I looked, that's been a yeah, couple years ago. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's, that's expensive. Uh, I guess I'll stick with scale. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, at that point I was like, ah, I'll just flower. See. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I've, I've been fortunate enough to get to ride in a couple of helicopters and I know guys out there that don't like them. I, I had a blast. Like, I like, I want to do this more you know it just uh yeah it, there's no feel quite like being in a helicopter to me right uh you know my my wife got her first helicopter ride that uh when she went on her vacation to the west coast uh, on one of them girl rides she does uh one of her girlfriends had a cabin up in washington state that the only way to get to was by helicopter um so uh prior to them going there they had talked to the guy that that literally takes people up and and take them to their cabins and you know bring and comes back a couple of days later and picks them up and bring them back so her first helicopter ride was up to her girlfriend's cabin and then uh back down the the, the next day or the following day after that and she was in uh r22 okay yeah that was her first helicopter ride was in an r22 no so, no it wasn't, it was a 44 because it was a, it was able to carry passengers in the back. I just yeah. got a, she didn't really take a lot of pictures cause she was so excited and scared. She said, uh, but it was an R44. Yeah. And that's what I've got to ride in a couple of times, uh, once at a concert. And then, uh, actually about a year ago for my birthday, Jeff Dalton, uh, set it up and, uh, he said, Hey, if you're available, we're going to go pick up an R44. So I went and went with him to go pick it up. And, uh, that was really incredible. Get to, ch get to do that. So it pays to, uh, to have really cool friends. So, yeah, you know, um, yeah, um, actually Greg's neighbor, uh, uh, down at, uh, Skinner's house, you know, his, um, yeah, they his have a jet ranger actually. Yeah. Yeah. He has a jet ranger and he was going to, and the only reason we didn't see it come to the field, is because it was being worked on, and yep. I had talked to him. 
a month or so ago when my grandchildren were here about saying, hey, look, dude, I'll pay you for the fuel. What do you need? Take my grandkids up in it. And he said, uh, he said, dude, I would do it in a heartbeat. Only thing is it's in Nebraska spraying, spraying right now. Yeah, he said, because a helicopter like that, expensive as it is to run, you've got to work it. Yep, and, you got to make it pay for yourself. Right, and you know the biggest thing they do with that helicopter, don't you? Hunt hogs. Uh, I was going to say, I think mm. they hunt pigs with it and spray, and yeah, there's a few things. Yeah, right, yeah, but I mean, the, their fun is hunting hogs out of it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. they uh, they had an R44 prior to that. Cor- and Correct. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, Rick Skinner, which is da- Greg's dad, was real close to buying that helicopter and yes, uh, ultimately decided to back out on it. But uh, Greg took some – Greg got a few hours flying it, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, got some lessons in it. And and uh, so I know he spent some time in that thing. Yeah. Well, any helicopter I'd like to have. If it flies I, I uh, and not going to get me killed, I'd, I'd sure as hell give it a try. <laughs> yeah. Well, the last show we had to talk about, uh, you know, if we were to win the lottery – <laughs> um, we would probably buy lots of crazy things and they would involve helicopters and airplanes. So, well, we uh, talked about the yeah. guys over in Monte County that are using, they have a couple of Blackhawks now that they are doing hog hunts out of, yep. um, at, and a really high price per hour. But, uh, you know, if you had a group of guys that wanted to go, it, uh, it would be a lot of fun. I, I have yet to been in a helicopter flying one. So, uh, that would definitely be a trip for well, me to be in one, in a black hawk of all things. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I got a lot, I got to spend a lot of time, uh, in and around helicopters, uh, when I was in the coast guard, because that's what I did was, uh, an aviation electronic technician, which was on fixed wings and helicopters, but all the stations that I got selected to were all helicopter stations. And, and mostly that's because that's really all they are. Um, unless you're in Alaska, then they mm-hmm. have a lot of big uh, 130s and stuff like that. But uh, Or that's what they were when I was in the Coast Guard. Uh, because we didn't fly anything like what you guys fly today. If you look up an HH-3F and an HH-52A, those are the helicopters that I flew in in the Coast Guard. And these were... Uh, these are ancient. These are not machines like uh, the Dolphin. They're using that, and that, and the UA sixty, the the uh, the Jayhawk. Uh, they're using those helicopters now, which is you know pretty much what a lot of uh, military stuff is using. But back then, we got hand me down helicopters, and they were old when we got them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it, yeah. Uh, they're, but they're pretty iconic. You see a lot of builders build those because they're not the dolphin and they're not something that you would normally see. Yeah. The dolphin is, eh, I don't know why it just doesn't really trip my trigger. Honestly, I know it's a cool helicopter and all that, but yeah, if I was going to do a coast guard helicopter, it would ha- probably be one of the older ones, um, you know, or maybe a, a Jayhawk or something like that. Right. Yeah, in the Coast Guard back then, man, you know, we got hand-me-downs from everybody. I don't think we ever – well, our uh, our motor lifeboats, we got those new, but uh, we didn't get anything else new. <laughs> yeah, old Navy helicopters probably. Right. Or, hell, they could have been from anywhere as far as we knew. <laughs> um, they say – yeah, they say, 
Yeah, they said, yeah, you get, your station is getting a new helicopter, and it comes in, and it's already 50 years old. Right. Yeah. New to you, helicopter. <laughs> yeah. 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 That doesn't look like a new helicopter. That thing looks like it's going to need a lot of work. I'm not even sure I want to go up in that. <laughs> well, it's like the bulk of our military aircraft today are, you know, 30-plus, 40-plus years old, you know. Yeah, they're cutting edge, kind of, <laughs> you know. Uh, right we have some new aircraft but we have a lot of really old aircraft too uh right well you know the, the 407 what's a a 70s uh helicopter like 72 73 or something like i mean uh m- maybe yeah the, the 206 i think the 206 206 come about in the 50s or 60s i think i think more like the 60s so the 407 probably come along somewhere in the late seventies, eighties, somewhere in there, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so but we're still talking about a 30 year old aircraft, you know, 35 year old aircraft. Yeah. But the thing is, is they still build the 407. I'm pretty sure. Yes. It's, they absolutely do. Oh, we're way off. Uh, 407 come about 1995. Oh, okay. Um, newer than I thought. Yeah. Much newer. It's still being built. The 206 introduction 70s. in 67. So it was produced from, and actually it says, this This is weird. Introduction, it says 1967, but produced from 62 to 2017. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, built 7,300 of them. Yeah. So that's a quite a, quite a stretch there. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, see. yeah, dude, and it and it is so iconic, man. You know, it's like, yeah, dude, it it was futuristic when it was built. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a it's a hell of a machine, that's for sure. I was gonna see if yeah, I could well, find some other uh, some other information here about it. Um, so yeah, the four oh seven looks like they uh, developed it into the. Uh, Bell 427 as well. And I think the newest one after that was a 429, wasn't it? Yeah, 429 is a pretty new one. And then they have the, what is it, the 505 or 510? No, they have the 505 and the 525. Yeah, those are the the new, new ones. Right. I think the 505 is, it's very new. (laughs) Yeah, the 505 is on the market now. But the five the five twenty five, uh, no one has any of those yet. They're still working the bugs out of that thing. Okay, yeah, yeah. I actually saw a, a, I guess some of the first customers of the five hundred five are finally receiving theirs. Right, uh, I've seen a few TikToks with that. Um, let me look see if I can find some information here on the five hundred five. That's you know, so there's a five twenty five. It looks like a. We, Right. Eight passengers or something. Yeah, and it looks like kind of a development off of the 222. Yeah, like a stretch 222. Yep. Yep. It's it's like a 222 limo. It's like a 222 and a 407 got smashed together. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of a conglomeration there. Yeah, they're still working on that thing, though. I mean, it's tough to. Uh, 505. 
Yeah, and, and and it's not a very big machine, the five hundred five. It's it, it's quite small. Five twenty five yeah. is actually uh, eighteen people, two pilots, sixteen passenger. Holy crap! Yeah. You'll probably <laughs> be huge. seeing a, a ton of those flying offshore. Yeah, right. Yes, I would imagine that would be a big deal for offshore. Uh, like the uh, like the S ninety two. It's a big offshore machine. Yeah. Well, with that kind of passenger payload, you know, it, much more effective and efficient getting people in and out and so on and so forth. Yeah, mostly oil rig work. Hey, yeah. so something that I was just sitting there thinking about, this this 505 has a very interesting doghouse on it. Um, have you ever seen a, a NOTAR MD530 or MD500 in any of these scale yes, contests? I- uh, yes, I have. There was actually one at uh, Urcha this year, not at the U.S. Nationals, but at Urcha. So how did um, they make and, the NOTAR work on an RC helicopter? Um, it uses a ducted fan in the boom, in the, ah. in the front side of the – yeah, yeah, it just uses it like a, a EDF. Okay, so very similar to yeah, an yeah. actual NOTAR. Right, yeah, yeah, dude, they just use a ducted fan and um, – they can get more lift and more forward speed out of it too, because when it doesn't have to be in the tail mode, as far as in heading hold, um, you can face it down and get lift. And that's, it's kind of tough with that because, you know, anytime it's not facing the one side or the other, you have to fly that. Uh, and the guys are telling me with knowing you're going to have a lot of lift on the tail. Interesting. Yeah. So do they have it set up to where the, uh, the EDF just runs at a set RPM or is it a variable throttle, or how does the the EDF? Yeah, part no, of that it's work? a it's on an ESC. It's on a, a ESC, so it would run its own ESC and battery, so they can control the speed of it too. Interesting. I bet that took yeah. some uh, some work to figure that out, and make all that work right. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, these modelers, man, these guys are, and 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 that's why I always feel as though I did a good job because when I go there and I see the machines, the caliper. And the engineering that these guys have to put in to make these things work. It's like I build them and I, I'm still in awe of some of the things that guys can do. Yeah. I, I would, I would probably lose my mind over that just because there's no pod and boom equivalent equivalent at all. Like, you know, you take a single rotor helicopter. I mean, that's what pod and booms are, right? Yeah. But, and then there's a few coaxial, you know, that's been done but a notar like there's you don't go buy that to my knowledge like you have to build it you have to tune the flight controller to you know there's a lot of figuring out stuff to make that work period yes uh and again man you go and you see these guys and they have a lot of animatronics in there where pilots are moving guns are shooting and uh the door gunner's gun uh, gets a recoil when he's pulling the trigger. You can see the, the door gunner recoil oh, uh, wow. with the gun. Yeah, there, there's so much good stuff out there. And, you know, the, the sad part is, is that the guys that build a lot of these great machines, um, they don't fly them or they can't or whatever the issue is. You see them sitting on a bench and you never see it go in the air. Oh. And, and that's not inducive to competition. Yeah, that's that sucks. I don't mean honestly. Um, I mean, I 
I guess my take on it is, is that I appreciate the the build and the skill and, and it looks great, but at the end of the day, it has to fly for me to really like it. You know, it has to and, fly. And yeah. And that's, that's my take on it. And, uh, and you know me, that's what I'm, where I'm at. Uh, it, <laughs> look, dude, I'm not going to build it if I don't intend to fly it. Um, right. And, and that, and that, and that takes me back to the BO, to the, uh, to the Red Bull. Look, look, dude, there's no use in having that thing. Oh, it's, it's a museum piece. Don't get me wrong. Uh, and, and I absolutely understand it's a museum piece. Doesn't mean I have to fly it every day. Yeah. Hey, speaking so, of museum piece, uh, last week on our show, I talked about uh, when Eric took us through his, you know, little personal museum, museum at his house. Yeah. Uh, you recall there was a picture of Lynn and he had a hold of the tail of a helicopter with it hovering what he was making an adjustment of some type, wasn't he? And you remember Eric called it walking the dog, I believe. That's exactly what he called it. Okay. Um, In Lynn's book, I actually have a picture of him in the book and it tells, uh, it tells about, you know, that's, he was making adjustments, but that was one of the things that they did back then. They'd catch it by the tail and, and, and fly forward with it and walk behind it, holding it by the tail. Wow. Um, and there's, and then there's also a picture in Lynn's book where, you know, there was a, uh, a performance that he did where his wife would hold up her hands and catch the, and grab the helicopter by the skids. I remember that real yeah. well too. Um, yeah. And, uh, if I recall, Eric tells it as, uh, Lynn finally decided, you know, like, you know, this probably isn't a great idea. <laughs> you know, I don't want to <laughs> whack my wife with the, with the helicopter. But, uh, yeah, it was something that they'd done together. You know, she would catch it as he was bringing it in. Uh, yeah. It was – and there was lots of pictures of it. It was pretty wild stuff. Yeah, well, back then, they didn't take safety so much into account. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, that guy, you know, he would be someone that uh, I feel very fortunate to uh, to just know and hear about him through Eric and through you. Renee and you know I wish I could have met Lynn um at this point I don't think that's ever going to happen but uh you know just hearing about him from from you guys uh just a very very incredible individual you know and well, he wanted to build scale helicopters probably more than anyone I've ever even heard of because he they t- Eric tells us that uh you know, Lynn had his own milling machine and lathe and stuff in his attic. Right. First off, how does an attic hold this type of equipment? <laughs> Second off, how do you get it up in the attic? Well, he took it apart and took it upstairs piece by piece and reassembled it. And he had that in order to build scale helicopters. That's how bad he yes. wanted to do it. But you know, that was his life. That's what he did. Yeah. But I mean, that's that, just saying something. <laughs> that's dedication right there. Yeah, and uh, you know, he was also a lot of the helicopters that were in the original James Bond movies that were filmed in the UK, uh, where you would see a helicopter scene, mm-hmm. uh, which were there were quite a few of them. Those were all Lens models. Yep, oh, that's cool. So, yeah, yeah, there were no real helicopters in those. Yeah, I think Tomorrow Never Dies was one of them for sure. Uh, yeah, the which man is with not the a, golden gun. 
Yeah. Uh, I, the man I've with looked, the golden gun and all those. Yeah. I've looked at one of them and I'm pretty certain that one of them was uh tomorrow never dies. And uh, it says something about, you know, they filmed all these scenes and then it got to the scene where he had to crash it, you know, it's like, Oh, <laughs> wouldn't that be something, you know, but that was yeah. that's what the, the job called for you know i think i'd so, have two right, yeah <laughs> one that was uh, not well, quite that's a, as good he did he actually did have one that was uh he did have two if i recall one i had spent a bunch of time doing the detail on that you know looked right and then one i could plow in with not worry about too much <laughs> it, that's that's exactly but that's what he got paid to do yeah yeah so yeah no he had and, and there were two of the machines uh that he did when when there was a crash of a helicopter literally that it it was just a shell painted up to look really good, but nothing like that would that would have been in the close-up scenes. Right. Yeah. Was he the pilot of them too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He flew it. Was he? Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. He flew. He flew them in the movies. Oh, you know. Well, he remotely. Yeah. Models, but. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Now R- uh, RC helicopters have been used in more movies than people might know. Um, blue thunder actually used rc helicopters and it's a little bit more obvious in the in a couple of the scenes you know it's if you really if you're watching for it you can pick out like, oh yeah that's that's an rc helicopter yeah um you know but yeah they're certainly used in more movies than you might think yeah well also too you know in the uh the very last james bond movie that there was a bl 105 in you know Chuck Aaron flew that. It was in Mexico City. If you look that up, there's a big helicopter uh, scene in there, and that was actually was that Casino Royale? Actually, uh, I'm not sure, but um, if, if you look up the movie that he was in last, um, you'll see that that helicopter was flown in uh, Mexico City, and in Mexico City, some of the and and Chuck Aaron told me this, some of the stuff that you see that was filmed for that was not actually filmed there because the altitude is too high and the helicopter couldn't get enough lift. So they would take the, take the helicopter and take it to other places where the altitude was lower, where they could perform those maneuvers because in that altitude, they couldn't get the helicopter to perform. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I know Casino Royale is not the most recent bond movie. Um, I'll be honest. I, I didn't like that one. I don't, I think Daniel Craig's a horrible James Bond mm. and I'll probably get uh, eviscerated for that, but <laughs> I, I think he was fucking terrible. But uh, anyway, with that being said, uh, I remember that one. I was thinking it had something to do with Mexico, but yeah, yeah. I, whatever, whatever it was. And only reason I even matter of fact, I've never even seen the movie. I've yeah. only watched all the, all the flight scenes. Yeah. Well, that's all it, where they're it, fighting out the door and shit like that. What's funny is, uh, so I've always liked the, uh, the Pilatus PC six Porter and, uh, it's directly related to whenever I was a kid, the first James Bond movie I ever saw was Goldeneye and the opening scene of the movie. He, you know, uh, Porter goes off a cliff and he jumps in after it and, you know, flies it out of course. Right. You know, and but I thought I was like, man, that's such a cool airplane. And I've liked PC porters or the Platus porters ever since, um, because of the James Bond movie. And, uh, it's funny how things like that stick with you, you know, like, uh, I, I know Renee likes, uh, two twenty twos because of airwolf, you know, yeah. and, and a lot of that's guys like two twenty twos. Yeah. 
Well, Dude. GoldenEye was not definitely not the first James Bond movie I have. Damn kids. Um, <laughs> I've seen a lot of the older ones after that. Uh, mm. I got really into James Bond there for a while as a as a young kid or I don't know, teenager, young teenager, whatever. But um, <laughs> I had to go back and watch the old ones. You guys may remember there was a time at which uh, they would do like a James Bond month. And so every night they showed a different James Bond movie for like a month. Yep. And uh, I would watch a lot of it. Yeah. 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 But it was, uh, I forget what they called it. Uh, It seemed like it come on like TNT. TNT. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. I thought, I think it was on TNT or something like that. Yeah. And so I went. Octopussy was my favorite. There you go. There you go. Octopussy. That was with uh, Pussy Galore, wasn't it? It was. So no, you're, you guys are talking. Now, wait a minute. No, I'm talking, talking about Pussy Galore James was on Goldfinger. Oh, was it? Who's that, Casey? Yeah, <laughs> I, snuck, I snuck in here. Yeah, all right. What's up, Casey? What's up? Renee's my brother from yeah. another mother. I love this guy. Yeah, Octopussy had Roger Moore, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it was Roger Moore. Yeah. So it also he... had a lot of Piper Archer Cherokees in it, which my father yep. used to own, and that's what I've I've got more seat time in any real aircraft than anything. And he liked that uh, plane so much from that movie. That's what he bought. And it looks just like one that was in the movie. Yep. Uh, Roger oh, Moore wow, was that's a awesome. much, much better yeah. James Bond than uh, Daniel Craig. Sean Connery was the Absolutely. Best. Sean Connery is oh, yeah, the OG, yeah. dude. He's the best. Roger Moore. Oh, yeah. I agree. Roger Moore's better than Daniel Craig. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. But money, uh, money penny. <laughs> No, yeah, uh, yeah, Goldfinger's my favorite, I think, and uh, that's the one with the uh, uh, pussy galore in it. Yeah, yeah, but no, Gold uh, Goldeneye was my first one that I'd seen, and and of course, I've seen all the Pierce Brosnan, James like Bonds, Daniel Craig's still better than Pierce Brosnan. Anyway, no, yeah, Pierce Brosnan's way better than Daniel <laughs> Craig. No, no, I just Dude. disagree. All right. All right. Who do we all agree was the best James Bond? Sean Connery. Sean Connery by far. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sean Connery. Yep. (laughs) What was that? What was that? What was that car that they, what was it, a Lotus or something? They, Aston Martin. Aston Aston Martin. Martin. It was a, was it a DB5? Was the original one? Mm, Don't give me a line. Yeah. I'll have to look. Is, but, uh, so James Bond, uh, there was a Lotus in one of them. Uh, I think that may have been one of the Timothy. What was his name? Timothy Dalton. It was a DB five. Oh man, who was the other Bond guy? It was a uh, Timothy something other, wasn't it? Hang on. And it's there was there was definitely a Lotus that actually may have been a Roger Moore that had the Lotus, um, but. I wonder which car has been featured more often. I would say probably an Aston I'd Martin. An Aston Martin, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I know they did DB5s and a few of them. And then uh, was it uh, Die Another Day? One of those had a uh, Vanquish. Vanquish, yeah. Yeah, that that car was sick. That's one of my favorites out of all yeah, of them. Timothy Dalton played it for two years. Yeah, Timothy Dalton. What car did he have? Uh I remember it was the one that had like uh, spikes that come out of the tires and made it in Living Daylights and License to Kill, but I don't remember what cars he had. Hang on. 
It'll take well, man, I'll tell you, you something about I'll tell you something about a vanquish. I've been in the car business close to 25 years and I've only touched and worked on one. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and, and Oklahoma anyway. I mean, you get right. out in Dubai or some of these other, you know, states, you might see more of that, but here I've only touched and seen one. One vanquish or one Aston Martin? One, one vanquish. Okay. Gotcha. I'm not yeah, sure we, I've ever seen a Aston Martin. If I have, I don't recall it for sure. Like right, I've seen right. McLarens and and Ferrari. You now Ferraris and Lambos are not not quite as rare as people want to think they are. I think Aston Martins are more rare than those. Uh, yeah. And believe it, believe it or not, Oklahoma has a ton of McLarens. Like that's the new yeah. that's the new rich guy thing. Is McLarens yeah. in Oklahoma? And uh, like we actually have a Maserati dealership, so I've seen a handful of Maseratis. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I went to, to the, that dealership. Did you? I looked yeah. at a Land Rover at that dealership one time, and I asked the salesman, I was like, dude, who's in here buying these Maseratis? I was like, who can actually afford this? He's like, no one. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, lawyers and doctors think they can. Well, man, oh, what's bad what now? Yeah, it's owned by Dodge. And, dude, you can find, like, older Ghiblis or freaking Gran Turismos and stuff like that for thirty grand. You know, oh, we're yeah. talking – yeah, 2012, 2015, you can find that stuff all day long. Yeah. I, so the only – I've got to ride in one Maserati, and uh, I don't even know what model it was, to be completely honest. I don't know any Maserati models. Um, okay. Was it a two-door or a four-door? It was a two-door. Then it was a Gran Turismo. It was a five- or six-speed manual. Yep. This would have been like 2000 and – Eight, probably. Yeah, well, how about here? Yeah, here's my call on that. Can it pull a toy hauler? No, <laughs> absolutely. Then I have, no, then I have no. no need for that car. <laughs> no, but it was still I, really I, cool. <laughs> I way I way agree with Renee, man. Let's let's go over uh, quality over quantity. You know? Yeah, dude. Yeah, look, I mean, dude, I, at the end of the day, given a three quarter ton diesel or a Maserati, I'm still going to pick the three quarter ton diesel, but. Yeah. We can't argue right. that they're really cool. <laughs> so, no, no, <laughs> it's yeah, way fun know, to drive, right? but it's not yeah. way fun to own. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, there you go. Because your truck is so, like, dude, a truck like a three-quarter ton diesel, you can do anything you need to do with that truck. What can you do with that car other than show it off on Sunday? Yeah. Right. You ain't fit. You ain't fitting airplanes in it. No. <laughs> right. So, Or helicopters, even, because they won't even right. hold a... <laughs> well, dude, you can that's throw a four. You could throw a four fifty back there. You'd be all right. So yeah, yeah. I was said in a uh, one of the last times we were car shopping, went to a dealership that had a, uh, uh, I don't recall, maybe like a twenty seventeen, maybe a sixteen, somewhere in there, like Z O six. And I sat in that thing, and I'm like, yeah, this ain't for me. My head, <laughs> I had to, I had to lean to the right, and I was kind of sitting in there funky because. It's just so small. I mean, someone like Casey's size, Z06 would be awesome. Someone oh, yeah. my size, not great at all. Like, I'm like, this would be horrible. Like, I don't even want to drive across town in this thing. Yeah, because I, I look stupid sitting in it. Well, dude, my head was like touching the ceiling. I couldn't hardly see out of the windshield because it was too low. And right. uh, like, uh, so my uh, 
my stepmom just, when just I was need a, a kid. convertible, dude. Mullet blowing in the breeze, it'll be perfect. So actually, I have a story about that. Um, so when I was a kid, my stepmom had an MG midget, and uh, with the MG midget with the seat as far back as it would go, reclined as far back as it would go, my head stood above the windshield. I could only yep. get in the midget if the top was down and my head was still above the windshield. And I'm like, I never even got to ride in it. You know, it was like, Oh, it actually it needed some work done to the brakes and stuff. And, uh, but I was like, man, this would be cool to check out, but I couldn't fit. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> now, you know, to me, a car has to have a purpose. Uh, and, and, and I know there's car collectors out there that that's what they do. And, and that purpose to them is collecting cars. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's something that I'm going to put in my driveway. That thing has to have a use. It's not going to take up space in my garage. Uh, right. And it doesn't have, it, you know, there's no use for that thing. What, what, I mean, everybody would like to have a, you know, a 69 GTO. Um, but at, at the end of the day, I'd have to keep it in storage. Yeah. And, and and that would be the problem because you couldn't leave it outside. You don't want to take up all your garage space with it, or you build another garage at home that does nothing but hold the car too. I don't know, dude. I I I would dig having a '69 GTO. <laughs> that would be in on that. That would be cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I'm with Renee on this. I've got a '67 Mustang taking up my garage. Is it a fastback? It. No, it's a coupe. Oh, dang it. Yeah, but I mean, and 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 that's the bottom line to me is because you you can't you don't want to drive it every day, so it is it really wouldn't be a good car to even go to work in because all you do is destroy the value of the car yep. as you're using it as a as a vehicle to get back and forth to work, which means it brings it down to just a couple of things. Uh, is that it's a car that you take out occasionally or you take it to shows or and I know I'm 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 a pee in the pod on this because I buy all these high end helicopters. That take up all my space um and then i can only take them to shows on the weekends and go fly them so i'm you know i'm kind of contradicting myself but in my need those are i need that space to to put uh to build things even when you're working on the house or you're doing any changes on the house you need your garage to work in to build work on your house right yep. so, but, so and man anyway. i'm with renee on this i got buddies man that that, that man is the hobbyist. That's what they're into. You're into helicopters. I'm into airplanes. You know, right, they're exactly. into cars. I got yeah. buddies mm-hmm. that got, you know, eight second cars that got parachutes on the back. You know what I'm saying? That's what they're right, into. Right. And, that, and that's what's cool. Yeah, we yeah. got buddies that are into party barges all of a sudden. That's whatever, yeah. dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, but, dude, every here here's the thing is you don't want to own a pontoon a party bar you want a friend that owns a exactly. pontoon party bar yeah well, we you, got you know, the skipper yeah we got one now yeah we got we got the skipper and gilligan it's it works out that's all you need man you you just got to have a buddy that owns it yeah uh, that has stuck so well <laughs> <laughs> yeah it has matured quite well that's for sure uh, i think uh casey yeah. casey nailed it on that one so <laughs> it came about naturally. <laughs> yeah. So uh we kind of talked a little bit about what's in the future, Renee, but uh I mean I know you're working on the llama. That's the the next one, right? And then Correct. uh after that you're gonna move back to the the bull cow, build the animal. Correct. And Correct. Uh, 
you know, so after that, I mean, is that, that's the foreseeable future? Or you got some other stuff in well, mind? Uh, well, you know, uh, there's, there's lots of other things in mind. Like I said, we're going to put the turbine and the mechanics back into the Red Bull, uh, and, and fly that. I'd see no need in letting that thing sit on a shelf. But with that being said, uh, I also have a, uh, Alouette coming from the Alouette 2, which is pretty much the same thing kind of as a llama. It's yep. just the progression of it. Um, that will be coming from Helifactory. And uh, as far as the sponsorship's concerned, that's one of the helicopters that uh, that's going to be built from them. It's not going to be like, well, because you know they'll build it and send it to you. You know, It's just how much do you want to spend. Uh, the same thing with Heli Classic. Now, if you want... you. You can spend forty thousand dollars and have the best helicopter you ever saw delivered to your door, ready to fly. Uh, but in this case, these will be helicopters that will be built that are heli factory that for those kit builders, people that want to build their own instead of uh, giving heli uh, heli factory thirty thousand dollars. Which I would take a thirty thousand dollar helicopter from heli factory, but um, you know I, I don't have that kind of money, so I'm building one of those helicopters, and it's just like any other sponsorship. Uh, you, you get a great big discount on it. You don't get the thing for free. Um, so I'll be building the Alouette 2 that is from Helifactory. And believe you me, it's worth, in this case, it's worth me building it because I could not ever uh, get that machine for the price that I'll be able to build it for as a, as being a sponsored pilot. So yeah, right. there's a, yeah, so there's an Alouette 2 and it'll also be a turbine. Okay. Um I know you and I kind of so talked about some other stuff, but I don't know if you can really mention that on the show or not, but you've got some other things you're working on as well. Uh, a little bit smaller. Uh, um, right. Right. Uh, 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 Heli Direct, which is uh, one of my sponsors, we are working together to try to bring um, uh, good fuselages uh, from, I, I, they probably come from Vietnam or China or somewhere, but uh, anyway, uh, scale, fuselages uh set up to where a guy doesn't have to spend forever uh, basically kind of compete in the uh roban market a little bit i i would think that that's kind of what what that is uh but roban has really they know what they're doing they know how to build helicopters and they know how to make them competitive on the market and then that's kind of what uh heli direct's going to we kind of try to go to but that's just you know uh I know we're going to do it. It's just a matter of which ones and when. Okay. Well, I didn't know how much of that you could really share and, uh, or if you could at all. Um, but well, of course not, man. Uh, uh, look, Heli direct, man, we're your, we're your place for helicopters. We're the largest online helicopter store. Man, I signed up for the text alerts. I get them all the time and it's all stuff that I really want to buy. And I'm not a helicopter guy. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 uh, it's really cool They're Again, they're just uh, uh, working on stepping into the next market. And I don't mind uh, telling people that because guess what, man, when you get that little helicopter that you decide to buy. And, and basically, this is going to be in a 600 class, a 600 size helicopter. So they'll be quite affordable. Um, and uh, and then you could get them painted or unpainted. And I won't tell what fuselage they're uh, what companies are going to be supplying but uh but i can say that we are uh working on getting into that market as well and because you know uh heli direct also sells the boomerang 
you know, yep. the boomerang is a, it's a jet. Yep. So, uh, yeah. So there's lots of stuff that's going on with that. I've definitely spent some time on their site and I'm surprised by what all they have available. I mean, don't, don't just think that Heli Direct is a helicopter place. They've got stuff for all your airplanes, all, you know, a little bit of everything oh, for sure. Yeah. Even, even ground vehicles. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So yeah, there's a, that, and, and, and you, and you have to understand that, uh, because that's a pretty competitive market out there. And the more you can offer the hobbyist, the better off you are. And generally Heli Direct is not saying, Oh, okay, well you order it from me. And when I get it from wherever it's coming from, I'll deliver it to you. Generally when that's coming up, they have it in stock and ready to go. Yeah. I, I know just now, um, Yes, uh, Monday, as a matter of fact, it was Monday or Tuesday, we got the shipment in on the boomerang jets, and I think there were 500 in the shipment. So uh, you can get them. Yeah, well, I'm certainly excited about seeing more readily available scale fuselages out there. Yeah. You know, there's a there, Motion RC has a few out there. Uh, I'm not sure if they're the only retailer for Roban in North America or not. Um, but uh, I think they're yeah, the main just, one for sure. I would love a yeah, 600 yeah. size 222 is what I keep looking at. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, and and that's and and that's the good news. Whereas in scale helicopters almost used to be completely out of reach because one either you had to build it or you had to spend a whole bunch of money. Um, now the the money you can do you can still build it, but you have a selection of, of where you want to go with it. Uh, you know because you can go from you can do Roban, you can do Vario, uh, and and of course most people are familiar with Vario because they've been doing this for a really long time, uh, and they have pretty much whatever you want. Um, and then you have the other, the higher end, which would be, um, hell, uh, uh, helifactory and, uh, and, uh, heli classic. Uh, these guys are German engineers, man. Go figure, you know? Well, and what I was getting at though, is like the one I've got is, a, I believe it was a century heli. Uh, what did they call those? Like funky made one. You know, yeah, funky, yeah, yeah, funky, and then uh, I was thinking it was called Century Heli or something like that. Um, made the uh, the Toe Defender is uh, the MD500 that I have, mm-hmm. and I don't think you can get those anymore. You know, it just seems like a lot of those are you, you know, they, they made them at one point and they no longer make them or. You know, if they do, they're out of stock. You know, it just seems like they're always kind of hard to come by. You know, so yeah, and and and, and it, it seems that way. Uh, and the reason that is in that type of helicopter is because it's designed around something to go in it that you can readily get, yeah, uh, like a, a T Rex five hundred, right? Uh, and and right. basically, it comes set up to stick a T Rex five hundred in it, and it's ready to go. You don't have to do uh, you and, and a T-Rex, as we all know, uh, the Align are well, uh, the, these things are really good machines. I mean, they're, they're high quality as far as in a pod and boom. They stay together and they work. They've been building helicopters a long time. Right. So, so that's why the, a lot of these companies are 
going toward putting in um, something that's already proven that can fly it. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and I actually just did a quick search, and actually, Jet Tech Models actually offers the funky uh, 600 size uh, MD500 right now, and it shows to be in stock. So I right. didn't know that. I actually thought that these were almost unobtainium. Who's got it? Uh, JetTechModels.com. I hadn't heard of that one. Yeah, I'm not Me sure either. where they're based out of or anything like that. Um, uh, let's see. So, it looks yeah, like they got anyway, some yeah, go ahead. It, anyway, I was going to uh, finish up on that question. So, yeah, I still have lots of stuff to do in the modeling area uh, as far as in the hobby and uh, as far as what, what's planned for the future for me. There's three sitting here that I'm going to get done. And, and then, of course, we still have the 135 that we don't even know what we're going to do with that thing, man. Two-year build and can't get it to fly. Yeah, I'm sure you'll so, figure something out. I was going to say, keep working with it, man. Don't give up. For sure, that thing's no, too no, cool. I, yeah, no, I think uh, we're, we've got some things to try. We're, uh, first thing we're going to do is, you know, speed that tail up if we can mechanically mm -hmm. and possibly bring the head speed up uh, to make it functional. And or the next option would be uh, converting the tail to a two-motor system where there's a motor running the tail, uh, which is what I've seen that people have had the most success out of. Um, and if I'd have known this, I'd have built a 145. Uh, it's 145 doesn't have the Finstron, does it? No, no, dude. It's got the. It's just got the regular open 45-degree uh, angle on the tail that holds it up, you know, and then the two fins all the way in the back on each side. Yeah. Uh, it almost looks identical to a 135 except for the tail assembly. That's what I was thinking. Uh, the, uh, the Army's UH-72 Lakota is based off of that, if I recall, right? Yeah, exactly. So, but if I had to do it all over again, that's what I would have done a 145, not a 135. Only be at the time, of course, this is me not getting my research done. Uh, that, and it's been known a long time, it's hard to get one of those to work. Now, as I was going along through the build, I learned that it's hard to get one of those to work. And me, just like all of the rest of us guys, look, dude, I can make that fucking thing work. Uh, <laughs> and I haven't been able to yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> And you see them flying. Look, dude, some somebody's got it. Somebody figured that shit out. There's a way to make it work. Yeah, I keep tinkering with it to make it work. For yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll keep tinkering with it. Now, only problem is, is man, there's a lot of work because you got to take you got to take the mechanics out to work on all that stuff. Yeah. Or to get the tail. Yeah. If you're going to install anything in there, you got to take it all the way apart and remove the mechanics out of it, which isn't that big a deal because I made it user friendly like that to where look, you, you unplug a couple things, you pull the boom back, pull the bolts out and the whole thing comes out as an assembly. Right. Yeah. That makes it not quite so bad then. Right. But yeah, I can imagine having to break that down to work on it. Uh, would get yeah, you to, want... to be a pain. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, 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 uh, that's part of this part of the hobby. Uh, in scale, anytime you're going to do anything with the mechanics, the 206, uh, the 407, the 135, it, do, it, it doesn't matter. You have to take the, it, to change the main gear. You got to take the mechanics out. Right. Just don't pop a few bolts out and pull the head up and put another gear in it. 
that's a completely different animal. Anything you do, you have to take it apart. Yep. It's a chore. Yeah. Well, and hopefully you never have to change the main gear. So not unless you want to auto a 50 pound helicopter because if it strips, because <laughs> uh, the only way you'd be changing that is if the gear strip and generally they don't strip on the ground. Yep. Yeah. Yep. No, autoing something like that does not sound like a good time. No, no. That's probably not going to end well. It's going to no end like most full scale ones. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Except for the guy that broke the record with the llama. Did you know the guy that, and, it, and to my knowledge, it may be changed, but I think it was uh, 40, it was either 44 or 33,000 feet that he took the llama. And the guy that actually broke the record for the highest altitude of any helicopter also broke the record for the longest auto rotation. Because wow. when he got up, yeah, when he got up to that height, he actually backed off the turbine a little bit, and the turbine stalled. Oh, yeah, flamed it out, yeah. Yeah, flamed yeah. it out, and then he had to auto it all the way back down. I'd have From that like, seat sucked so far up my... <laughs> but you wouldn't time. have to worry about coming out of the seat, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did, uh, you wouldn't be able to get me out of the seat. No. Uh, but, yeah, but I think it just uh, was very minimal damage. Wow. So... Yeah, so the guy that broke the world altitude record also broke the longest auto rotation record. Yeah, hmm. I know the one of the most recent videos I've seen of a auto rotation was a R forty four that had a mag fail, and uh, the engine quit pretty shortly after takeoff. Yeah, and uh, it didn't end. I mean, it could have been much worse, but it didn't end great. So. Um, that's kind of what I always think of. Was it the one they were hunting? Right. Had four guys in it. Yeah, and went into the, uh, went into the yeah, a pretty tree much or whatever mesquite tree or something whatever hit. But yep, yeah, yeah. busted the right hand skid pretty good. Um, yeah, nobody was hurt uh, that I recall, but uh, the heli took a little damage. Right, well, exactly. Well, you know, uh, I. I'm good friends with John Ellis, uh, you know, from online. And then of course we got to meet and hung out and fly together. Uh, he's the full scale pilot that generally has flown everything and he's retired now, but he said in his career of flying helicopters for 33 years, uh, he's had three engine failures in flight. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And he managed to get them all on the ground. Wow. Well, I said, yeah, dude, well, I said that average out, what, one about every 10, 11 years or so? Yeah. <laughs> so Boy. that's not too bad. He said yeah. he's had lots of other, he's had lots of other problems, like he had a 407 that was blowing oil real bad, and he had to land out on a post uh, on a one of them repair facilities out on the ocean where it's just a helipad there that they land it, and it gets fixed, and it moves on, especially if it can't make it back to shore. Uh he said he had to. He hit one of those uh, because his oil pressure light came on, and and the, of course he said it was beeping everything. It was losing oil, and he said uh, he landed on one of those. And he said he could look back. He could see from the rig to where he was uh, a, a smoke cloud. Well, they couldn't fix it there. So and they didn't. And they it was like an outrageous price to have that thing sitting there. They actually flew some oil out to him 
uh, dropped it there, had him fill up the oil tanks and fly it to the next location. He said with a stream of smoke <laughs> behind him the whole the whole way in the helicopter. And he was like, that's one of the scariest that he and he said the company asked him, said, look, do you feel comfortable that you can do this if we can get you the oil there? Because we know it's going to run out. And they said they brought him, I don't know, uh, 20 quarts of oil. And he had to hop this thing for a couple of places, putting oil in it. Yeah, no. I'm like, you can bring a fucking crane out here and get this some bitch. That's what, what Jason say. It's, you know, 10,000 parts all rotating around an oil leak. Literally yeah, in yeah. that case. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. At hundreds of RPM, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was literally an oil leak. So, yeah, that was one of the uh, – he tells some great stories from his uh, from his flying experience of over 30 years of flying helicopters. So, uh, that, w- that was one of them, and I thought that was really cool. I, I was like, you know, like a little kid, you know, and the old man's telling the old war stories, and you're sitting there with your, your, uh, your chin in your hands and just, you know, enveloped in the story. Yeah, well, talking to John Ellis is like that. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, that's a uh, that's almost as good as talking to BB Smith about working on helicopters and stuff. Yeah, that guy yeah. is something else too. Yeah, he knows how to tell a story. BB. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, he's yeah. a professional. Right, and yeah. it could be mostly most of his truths, but he could be telling you a lie, and you wouldn't even know. Yeah, he, the way he tells it though, it won't matter. You'll enjoy it either way. You're right? Yeah, it, it won't even matter. <laughs> yeah, that guy cracks me up. If you've never, if you ever get a chance to meet BB, anybody listening, you got to ask him about him being tired. And he wasn't tired up there; he was tired back here. Yeah, so, that's yeah, one the, of my favorite short, stories. Yeah, that I'll give you the short on that. He said he was on his way to work. Yeah, I think he goes to work four o'clock in the morning three o'clock in the morning and he's driving on his way to work and he says he's starting to fall asleep in the car you know his head's nodding and stuff so so he pulls the car over to the side of the road and he says you know he's going to take a little nap and then go ahead and drive on into work well he's sitting there and he says he hears something pounding on the window so he looks up and there's a cop standing there uh looking down at him and he's looking up at the cop and uh and then bb's got a gun in his lap uh, uh, a pistol sitting, you know, kind of right in his lap and the, and the cop's looking in the car and the, and the cop doesn't, you know, really see the gun or anything. So the cop looks up down there and says, why are you sitting here, man? What, wh- why are you asleep here in the car? And he says, because he told the cop, he says, well, I was tired, man. Uh, you know, so I was, I was stopping to take a break. I was tired. And uh, the cop tells, well, look, man, if you'd have drove about three miles up, there's a rest area up there that you could have pulled into and got some sleep. And, and, and BB says, he told the cop, well, I wasn't tired up there. I was tired right here. <laughs> so, and then, and he said the whole time he's telling the cop this, he's trying to give the cop the, the clue that he's got this pistol sitting in his lap, you know? So he's looking up at the cop and looking down and the cop's talking about shit the park down there. And then finally the cop sees the gun sitting in his lap, uh, so, of course, the cop pulls out his gun and he, you know, points it at him, tells him to get out of the car and, and all this. And um, anyway, that's the gist of the story. And, of course, they let him go because he had a permit or whatever it was. But he kept pointing at the gun to show the cop. I guess when when the cop saw him pointing at the gun, the cop pulls his gun out. But oh, yeah. That's, that, 
that's BB's tired story. And I was like, well, mm -hmm. why didn't you go over three miles up the road? <laughs> I wasn't tired up there, man. I was tired right here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, me and Renee Butcher, it's way funnier whenever <laughs> BB tells it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, dude, yeah. you're rolling. Yeah, yeah. And now uh. that – so his son printed a printed him up uh, a sign that he could stick in the window that says he was just taking a nap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's good stuff for sure. Yeah. Well, only Louisiana people can give that Louisiana slang that goes oh, with yeah. it, you know. Yeah, that's what that 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 makes part of the story. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a true Cajun, true mm -hmm. Cajun. But, and what do you call that? That they got you got to be south of I twenty or I south I of I ten, right? Yeah. to be a true Cajun. <laughs> yeah, uh, that otherwise, makes sense. yeah, otherwise, what do they call you? Uh, something if, else? No, they said uh. Oh, you're a Yankee. You're north of I-10. <laughs> <Yankee. laughs> north of I-10 is a Yankee now, huh? <laughs> yeah. According yeah, to them. North of I uh, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Now, you, no, you, you, you ain't no Cajun, man. You uh, something. But they didn't call them really a Yankee. There was something else they called them. Uh, something we, we would think is southern Louisiana, but to them it ain't southern Louisiana unless you live south of I-10. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I, I get a kick out of the, the slang that they use and calling each other Kuyan and yeah, it's something else. Yep. But they sure can cook. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cajun Heli Fest is worth going for that reason alone. It's because of the food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's worth it just for that. So, well, what else we want to talk about guys? I'm, I mean, we're kind of, and we've been on that one for a hot minute. Um, Matt, you got what? some uh, some notes here. You wanted to save those for uh, next week there? Yeah, we can. It's refreshing. Um, yeah, we can talk about that next weekend. I think Urcha and Renee's Damn. deal, you know, that was our main main thing for the week. We wanted to get that out, seeing that it just happened and it's hot off the presses. And uh, so. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah I, I didn't disappoint Oklahoma going all the way to – indiana no sir you did not you did very well yeah no we're we're real proud of renee renee being local to us here and uh going to a lot of events with us yeah uh, you know well known in the in the heli industry and well known around this part of the world as far as events and flying and everything so just wanted to get him on and talk about the event and competitive you know competition and so on and so forth and i think we've done pretty good at that and, uh, yeah i appreciate you guys having me on yeah yes, we appreciate you taking the time man oh so. hell man you guys are my friends i might even see you next weekend you never know hey fingers crossed and well we'll right. be flying this weekend so um actually i've got some stuff i got to get to you anyway um right yeah so Yep, well, Matt and yeah, I are going to go out. When you going out to the field again? Saturday. Oh, okay. Yep, I'm gonna uh, probably take uh, I'm taking some airplanes, but I'm gonna take the nitroxy as well. Put some uh, some more time on it. I've been really enjoying that. So, well, I was thinking maybe throw a nitro into the back back of the truck and not mess with a whole bunch of other stuff because I could bring my NX7. Remember when you told me about? We were going to do a nitro day, nitro days, mm -hmm. whatever it is. 
Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude, I put that uh I put that uh Tariq ninety six into my uh NX seven. Oh wow. And other yeah, yeah. So and so I have I flew it around, got it flying good, got it working real good, and then it's been sitting on the shelf since then, Clay. Yeah, it's been a while since uh I remember you flying the NX seven quite a bit when we first started flying together and and then it just kind of yeah, just kind of went to the wayside for a while. So all right, well, I put a I put a bigger motor in it, make more power. So, yep. Well, I've I've certainly been enjoying the nitroxy a tremendous amount. I mean, I like my electric helis, my oxy five, my MD five hundred, but I've really been enjoying that nitroxy lately. But I need to get I've got the MD five hundred back off the shelf right now and getting ready to kind of go through it and check it over, make sure it's okay, you know, in good shape and everything and like to start flying that again sometime but also i gotta i gotta shift gears back to airplanes a little bit i've really been itching to fly my 104 laser lately so yeah that's what i'm gonna do this weekend i'm gonna bring my 104 ng and put a few tanks through it hopefully yeah that's the plan oh that sounds cool that sounds cool maybe i'll just come out and watch you guys fly no, nah, you show it without an NX7, and we're gonna. I was gonna say you gotta bring something. <laughs> Either that, or you're gonna be flying yeah. one of ours. I say I've got yeah, an I'll, NX4 I'll... that you can fly all day long. Yeah, I'll bring the NX7. I I got like many gallons of fuel I need to go through. Yep. And uh, we still, I mean, we gotta figure it out. I don't know when it's gonna be, but we really need to do a a nitro days. Uh, just this year, just. It's just been so busy with so many things. September and October are just slammed with stuff. It seems like this year. Don't, don't we have uh, Ice House too? Yeah, that's in October this yep. year. That's yeah. in uh, October nineteenth through the twenty third. Yep. Um, right. So they they backed it up a little bit. But yeah, we have that in October. We got Superfly in October. Um, what well, we got? A couple in September. Or which well, really event, got, and then really East got Texas. three in September. Yeah, if we go to the IMAX yeah, contest. Yeah, yeah. Don't we? But I think we got like three or four of them. That's local. Well, and I say I'm talking about the Wichita Falls, Lawton, Duncan area. You know where we can get there in an hour or so. You know. Well, we got Wichita Falls and Collective RC are both on September 10th. Yeah. Oh, that weekend. Uh, yeah. So yeah, got two local events that weekend. Um, and then I would still consider Sherman, Texas to be local to at least myself and maybe, maybe yeah, I don't know if Matt would call that local. Me. Yeah. So we're looking at, you know, September 24th for the Sherman IMAC contest. Uh, Superfly is very local to me and Renee. Uh, yeah. What are you, you like 45 minutes from there, Renee, something like that. Um, uh, under an hour. Yeah. That's same for me. It's, uh, between 45 minutes and an hour. So that's going to be a big one. Uh, but, uh, and that again, that's October 6th to the 9th. I think most all of our listeners have heard about Superfly over and over and over again at this point. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, dude, it's going to be so cool. It's, we're really putting a lot into it. And to be quite honest, I, I really needed to do a lot of work on that too. So, yeah. That's yeah and that's a, and that's at a real airport, so that's uh, yeah. that's a, a the Lindsay Airport in Lindsay. That's that should be really good. And not only that, the Jet guys 
should not fear bringing those jets because uh, the brakes don't even have to work there. Right. <laughs> Just let them roll out. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean the brakes don't even got to work there. I, well, I mean you you'll have to drive that. You have to drive the jet back a long way, but uh, you're not going to run out of one runway before it stops. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't remember how many thousand feet it is, but it's enough. Yeah, enough. it's plenty. Yep, it's yeah. more than enough. And well, did we I lose Casey? We... I see he's still in here, but he's awfully quiet. So nah, he's just quiet. He's probably just he probably dropped an eighteen pack on his foot or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, damn sure happened. Oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he sure. heard us talking about it. Got to fire him up a little bit about him. He's over yeah. there, black toe. Isn't that what it was? Or something. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Oh jeez! Oh Wayne Wagner, <laughs> he said he was rolling when he heard all that. <laughs> oh boy, uh, that's funny, funny stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. So I appreciate you guys having me on, and you know, you guys will see me around at our events. I think I have, I may be going to Dalton, uh, Georgia, uh, next month. I may, and the reason I say I may because that's still nine hundred and ten miles because it's Good right Lord. near North Carolina. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's way over there. <laughs> yeah, so mm. well, it's like it's like going to Urcha from here. It's 900 uh, all right, 890 miles. That's what that trip was. I call it 900 because by the time you get off, get on and off the highway 17 times to get fuel in the round trip. Um, <laughs> it's a long That's a long yeah. haul. Uh, yep. That is a long haul. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what well, you uh, know what's going right. on in Dalton, Georgia? Uh, that's a it's a big scale event. It's actually um, as big or bigger than the Urcha uh, and U.S. Nationals event because Urcha is mostly about 3D helicopters and all that. And, uh, if uh, 30 helicopters show up, it's a lot. It doesn't matter on Urcha or in the U.S. Nationals. Um, but when you go to this event, um, they may have 70 or 80 scale. It's all scale helicopters there. Okay. Gotcha. So, nice. so that's next month in September, like the 8th. Um, so, but anyhow, I'm, I'm considering going to that, but I just drove the Urcha thing and I'm like, yeah, dude, that was long, long. I'm not sure I want to do that again in a month. Well, and you have two that are not too far away from you that weekend. So you need yeah, to come right. to Wichita Falls or, or Collective's having their RC Heli fun, fun fly. So, Right, and I can stay local, man, and not spend any money. There you go. <laughs> well, yeah, well, uh, it, 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 the biggest issue was the fuel, too, because as we um, got – the further north you go, the more uh, expensive the fuel. When I left here, I was – and you could get it in Lawton now for as low as 309 a gallon. Uh, but when I left here, uh, I got it for three twenty-seven. Uh, in Indiana, I was paying four thirty-seven. Yeah, and we and got it, fortunate going to Jonal this year that the fuel prices across the southern U.S. was pretty consistent. It wasn't wildly different, but uh, we still spent like I think twelve hundred dollars in fuel alone. Yeah, going to join all and back yeah yeah that's um i would say that's pretty close to what i spent in fuel to go to um 
to go to the Nats and back. Uh, maybe not quite that much. Maybe right around a thousand. So. Yeah, I was but fortunate it was, it, that it, it, I split it with two other guys. Uh, otherwise, it would have been something I couldn't have pulled off. Yeah, that's right. where I was at. I, I was very, very fortunate to have the ride I did <laughs> and the company to help. Uh, yep. yeah. definitely made it uh, attainable to go. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have been there. So, Yeah, 900 miles all by yourself. And, and, and with the fuel cost today, it was. It, I thought it was pretty high just in the fuel but you know it's it's part of the hobby in in that if you want to go to the nationals doesn't matter where you are there's only at one place right yeah i got i got asked if we were going to try to make fall and all and i was like no it's simply not something reasonable you know once a year is enough so yeah and and the the time it and the time it takes to do that because you you take that kind of run, it's a two day drive to get there almost to start, unless you got more than one driver. So that's two days to get there, the time of the event, and two days to get home. Yep. Yeah. So. Yep, it's a lot. It's Absolutely. a lot. You take half your half your vacation off driving. Yeah. Well, if you're not doing anything this weekend, come down to Duncan. All right. If I'm not doing anything, how about this? If it don't rain Saturday, well, Sunday, it looks like it might, but Saturday we look pretty good. Yep. All right. Yeah. I'll bring down a, I'll bring down a nitro helicopter. Just play with that. There you go. Yeah. Don't have to, don't have to think about it too much. Throw fuel in it, start it up and go. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Charge that receiver pack. Yeah, look, dude, 5,000. I got a 5,000 receiver, and I guarantee you I could fly that thing all day long and never touch that back. That's good. Well, yeah. I thought that too, and I found the absolute limit with my nitroxy is three flights on a 2550. So yeah, I had it at 10%. I was like, oh, that could have been really bad. That's not like- often do I have to, <laughs> not often do I have to put a, you know, a, a battery on storage and it, juice into it rather than right. take it out so that's like yeah. your last yeah, flight the other day good. when it was completely out of fuel like it died as you landed <laughs> yep perfect timing <laughs> yep. perfect time no that's what you call it getting all out of it you can uh, that's exactly right and ran it completely out oh yeah. man that that was planned that way yeah yeah we'll go with that sure. <laughs> it was you gonna tell that story <laughs> hey I man swear. you tell it how you got no you faith in it. me <laughs> Yeah, no faith in me. That, uh-huh. Okay, yeah, it ran, on your face. it ran out of fuel three foot high, <laughs> like over the runway, uh-huh. and that wasn't planned? Okay. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, whatever. Yeah, he, he, he's, Naysayer. Been, he's, been, he's got that timer down. <laughs> he's got that timer down to the second. No, dude, here's the – it's perfect. With a nitro heli, you watch the fuel tank. You just bring it into a hover. It's like, I see a little bit of pink in there. It's good. <laughs> yeah. And then when you don't see none, it's like, that's probably out of fuel. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the engine revs up and you're like, okay, (laughs) yep. It's definitely out of fuel. (laughs) (laughs) Of course it is. Uh, All right, guys, I guess I'm going to call it an end at this end. And, um, and I appreciate you guys having me on. And um, especially since we took the whole show just to talk about helicopters. Hey man, um, so that was kind of the point right of this my... one. 
we, we really wanted to get you on and just I, catch it right, you know, right after it happened and that kind of thing. I thought it was a good deal. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to do one. We got to do one thing though. What's that? Casey's glider minute. Okay. Casey. Casey. <laughs> well, what, what, welcome back to Casey's glider minute. Um, gliders are still cool. They, they got wings and they fly and you use mother nature in which to perch them afloat in the air and <laughs> gliders are cool. And I wish you helicopter guys could experience this, but it's very difficult. And I understand this has been Casey's glider minute. It's Casey's glider minute. <laughs> Oh my god. It gets better. <laughs> I'm not sure if it gets better or if it's so bad it's better. I'm not sure. It's, yeah, oh, cuz sometimes really cuz sometimes really bad is good. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, oh, that's awesome. It's gliders. They're cool. They're cool. Uh, yeah. They're cool. Yeah, well, we don't we, we don't we don't we don't know from gliding in a helicopter. There's no there's there's no gliding. What do you what do you think about trying to slope soar a helicopter, Renee? Uh, dude, you, as long as it's yours, I'll give it a shot. <laughs> uh, that kind of sounds like what Britton said. I know. Like, we we need to come up with a six hundred class or bigger. Uh, it doesn't. I mean, it just needs. Uh, I'll supply the servos and everything. It just kind of need an airplane airframe. I think we can make it work. Well, you got right. an extra, you had an extra six hundred sitting around that that's a little beat up. Just let me know. I'll come take it off your hands, and we'll we'll rig it up. We're gonna try this. I have a nitro that uh, Brenton partially paid for. You can just use that one. Well, here's uh, here's. I mean, I don't have too. much in it now. <laughs> I think he's got different plans for that bird, but yeah, probably. Anyway, yep not my problem i was nah, gonna say yeah, it's yeah. like it, it, this uh this auto rotation slip soaring it'll work or it won't <laughs> it'll work or it won't that's right i mean i i have well seen it's footage, gonna... i have seen footage of it working so i know it is at least possible we just have to find a willing participant uh that's one thing i will tell you about nx4 is uh it it does not you better really be paying attention to auto that because it oh, yeah, does dude, not it, have it, any inertia there ain't enough to keep it going <laughs> right yeah yeah no dude that 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 basically an auto <laughs> on an nx4 is the place where it's crashing yep yeah it's going to be uh an almost controlled crash maybe but it, uh, right exactly it it's going to be the place where it crashes it doesn't take any time for that thing to lose all of its energy like if you had enough altitude i guess you get the blade spinning fast enough but it would be it would be hairy but yep. anyway found that out the other day Oh, did you kill the motor? Uh-huh. I killed it a little oh. higher than I intended to when I threw it into hold and it it hit on the skid. I mean it it just landed, but it was a little harder than I wanted it to be. Right. Like, yeah, and, okay. that was what, three, <laughs> and that was what three and that was what three foot off the ground? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's it was what probably I mean. three and a half, four feet up. Oh boy. Yeah, right. yeah it was yeah. not much. Which is kind of, you know, dead man terror. It's like it's like hovering an airplane, you know, you get that one that area that you're kind of in no man's land uh, that yeah, you yeah. don't want to be in. It was which, that kind of thing. Yeah. Which ironically well, uh, is I, where guys want to 
put an airplane yep, into a exactly. hover when they're learning. Exactly. It's like, it's like you realize that's the worst place to hover. Yeah. Just it's, in time for it to go nose down and destroy itself. Exactly. Yeah. No, look, dude, a nitro, a nitro auto is really good though. On my nitros, they carry so much momentum on the blade when you oh, shut yeah. the engine off. You could you could hover over the runway for five seconds before you put it down. Before you almost you, yeah. you know what I mean. Or it feels like five seconds. Hover it over the runway after you shut it off, sitting in one spot. Yeah, my it's, my five five six was like that, um, and I think your oxy your nitroxy would be the same way. You know that yeah. big, but that boy that little NX four it it does not. Work like that it's either that or i need to that get a whole lot better with my collective management uh, so. uh, well uh, well how about this it just doesn't have enough rotor mass yeah that's probably the the main problem but i mean it'll keep spinning but if you if you put any kind of pitch to it you know you you kill all the energy in the blades oh. real fast right now mm-hmm. yeah 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 well that nitrox if you don't auto it at least a little bit and load the blades up it takes a long time for it to spool down. down. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. And that's exactly what I do with my nitros. I, I basically, I turn it off and I wait until it won't fly before I set it yeah. down. Yeah. Keep it in a hover so until the blade, it sets stuff down. Right. Yeah. And, and use up all the energy that you can. Yeah. That way you're not sitting over there waiting for 30 seconds just yeah. for the blade to quit spinning so you can go pick it up <laughs> right yeah no dude and you and, and you know what's the worst about that is my bell 47 it's like holy moly is this thing <laughs> ever gonna yeah is it ever gonna slow down yeah because you put it you put it on the ground and you wait the next 45 seconds before you can even reach over there and uh, you know to a minute before it's slow enough to where you can kind of start slowing it down by hand and you can't get you just got to touch the blades as they're going around because you're not, you can't touch the rotor head because the blades are too long. Yeah, too yeah, big. Just, yeah. Can't reach over it. Yeah. And it's so smooth that it just, that 47, I think that's what I like about it is it's so smooth all the time. Yeah. That, that machine runs really good. Um, I was telling you about the, the 105 on Saturday. Uh, I wouldn't even put the, no, it, maybe it was Friday. Friday, I wouldn't even put the blades on it. And the reason I didn't put the blades on it is because if I put the blades on it, I was going to fly it. So I, I just stuck it up on the, the display bench and never put the blades on it because I knew if I put the blades on, I'm going to go fly it. <laughs> well, I don't care. Uh, I'm just going to go fly it. Uh, that's, how you, that's how you stop me from flying is I don't put the blades on it. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. All right. Well, man, I'm about to... I got to get off here. I got to get to work early in the morning again. So yeah, I have work. I really need to finish tonight, but it's probably going to go in the morning. I'm going to try and get this edited up and we will uh, see if I can get it posted tonight or in the morning. So, oh. all right. Well, that's a, that's a long, a long show to edit. Ah, it won't be that bad. There's not a whole okay. lot to this. Uh, I'm not going to listen to it again or anything like that and edit it down. So I don't go that far. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, we kept oh, okay, this one yeah. so much more on the rails than the last two. I think it'll be okay. Yeah, it'd be all right. <laughs> all right hey guys all right man we'll see y'all later yeah all right, right. love you, you guys later thanks for nice hey man Lo love you too casey thank and thanks for having me bye guys uh, thanks all right see ya all right guys you guys got anything else we'll call it a night i'm good man i think my glider minute was a hit it yeah is. absolutely good stuff all right all okay. right man well, we appreciate you guys listening and hope you enjoyed the show and we will talk at you next week see ya